0: You're listening to Halloween, The Definitive Companion with your host, my good friend, Daniel Krupa, and me, Gav Murphy. This week is a special episode because you won't just be hearing from us on Halloween Kills. We also have Jamie Lee Curtis and director David Gordon Green weighing in on Michael's masks, his motivations, and helping to settle once and for all whether Michael Myers is pure evil. Daniel, what is the premise of Halloween Kills? The Strode women didn't kill Michael, and he's back to terrorise the town of Haddonfield once again, but this time, the town fights back. Evil dies tonight. I wish I'd... I had the time to count how many times they say that. What
1: time? Because it is Halloween and I have stuff on.
0: <laughs> yeah, midnight. Where's your cu-
1: cut off? Where's your cut off? But is that midnight tonight or midnight of the 1st of November? <laughs> yeah.
0: I, but I didn't... Can he die
1: early morning? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Do you know what? Once again, we talked about it a little bit on the last podcast we talked about, the 2018 Halloween. Once again, we found ourselves incredibly excited. Of a Monday morning. It was a Monday morning we were watching it. Was it a Monday or Tuesday morning? Wednesday. Wednesday morning. <laughs> it's either a Monday or Tuesday or Wednesday. We found ourselves a o- of a morning. Queuing up to go into Universal to see a very early screening of this. We saw it a good few weeks ago, man. And genuinely not been so excited to see a film for so long, I think. Goosebumps I had. Proper goosebumps. It was Can I tell you the point where the goosebumps became elevated? <laughs>
1: When I got a title card in the prologue that said Halloween night,
0: 1978. Oh my God. We were just looking at each other like, (gasps) oh.
1: Because last week we talked about how David Gordon Green wanted to kind of tweak or put a spin on the original ending, which we're glad that he never did. But we always said this, like, how did he get apprehended? And there's yeah. a throwaway line that Hawkins apprehended him later that night. Mm. Whereas in this film, we finally get to see it. Yeah, so we yeah, get yeah. a weird contribution to
0: that original film. Yeah, which I think is really good as well. And I think it's well shot. What? Well, yeah, it's well shot. I mean, <laughs> the Loomis that they've got, Tom Jones, Jr. Tom Jones Jr. Could this podcast be more perfect for us? I love Tom Jones. I love Halloween. <laughs> so Tom Jones Jr. is what? A chippy? <laughs> you said that with a Welsh accent. <laughs> I know you've got Welsh accent yeah. anyway, but... I can only say Tom Jones Jr. with a really Welsh accent. So he's a chippy. He's just a... He makes sets and stuff like that. Because...
1: So we stayed for the credits, watched all the credits, out of yeah. respect. We're waiting for the big Avengers moment, obviously. Of course, yeah. And we, we clocked Loomis's name as Tom Jones Jr., obviously. yeah. Specific yeah. relevance for us. And then we saw his name again later on as basically a set builder.
0: Yeah. So we Googled him, and yeah, it just turns out the set builder for Halloween Kills just really, really looks like Donald Pleasance. How bonkers is that? Yeah, so he's. Can you work- imagine you fucking luck. Like, you turn up on the day, and you're just like, is that a, it's not a set builder, seriously. Does anybody else see how we, weird this looks?
1: Do I get paid twice? I mean, if you look up the guy, he's worked on loads of shows. Recently, he built yeah. a sense for the new Swamp Thing TV show. Yeah, yeah he looks kind of like him, but they did an amazing job with prosthetics. So yeah. I think there's like ten. Or, there's a really good Instagram post that's going around where he's got ten or eleven little prosthetic applications on him yeah. to make him look more Loomis-like. And yeah. there's obviously a voiceover artist doing the voice as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, yeah, because I mean, you're not getting that lucky that one. Your chippy looks exactly like him, and also ex- sounds exactly like him as well. So I think it, is this is a guy called
1: time, Colin Mahan who I think yeah. did the voice in the last film when it's like the, the he must die tape yeah, yeah, yeah. that gets mangled.
0: Imagine just David Gordon Green and Danny McBride just looking across the set and be like, can we, should we just use him? Cause he looks exactly like it. It's cheaper than CGI. But also I guess that, cause that was the big thing that we talked about um, during Halloween 2018 podcast, where I was like, oh, I'm glad they didn't do that because I mean, what, you get like the grand Moff Tarkin thing, like in Rogue One where he was like, I think that in years to come, we're going to look back on that and go be embarrassed as humans about it. Whereas I think this, when he first runs in, I was like, okay, he kind of looks like him a little bit from afar, but that's how far we're gonna stay. No, we're getting close-ups. That's Mm. how confident they are. The Tom Jones Jr. looks like Donald Pleasant. We're getting fucking close-ups. I'm sure there is some cute stuff going on as well, but- I don't know if there is. I think it's just a good, uh, I
1: think it's it's practical and also the illusion of the VO, Mm. but also within those scenes is, because we've seen it twice now, Within those opening scenes, there's a lot of slight hands. So you see yeah. his hand, you see his gun, you see his foot. So you, you feel that you've seen more of Loomis than you have. Yeah. All you see is basically him running in. There's that one close-up. Yeah. The rest, he's back a shot out of focus. Yeah, yeah. So it's a really good illusion. Did Michael kill again? God, I mean, yeah. Because that's, um, you know, it's quite an interesting scene, isn't mm. it? So they go back to the house yeah. and Hawkins and his mate, Pete. Yeah. But we found out that Pete was mates with Michael Myers or yeah, yeah. he was forced to play with
2: him. But That's Jim Cummings, isn't it? Yeah, it's Jim yeah, yeah, Cummings,
1: yeah. Pete McCabe. So he's Hawkins' partner. And they're yeah. walking in that back street. He tables this idea that Michael just used to stir out this window a lot, his sister's room. Yeah. And then he goes into that room and Michael attacks him. So yeah. Michael almost does, gets another kill that night yeah, that we yeah. never knew about.
0: The thing that I really like about that as well, because I do love the idea that he just kept going back to this house. And, you know, once he was done with Laurie and Loomis, he went back there. The thing that I really like, if you want to be really nerdy, is when Bracket is talking to them outside the hardware shop. He's because we we talked about this on the first episode. He, he was like, "Oh no, what's he stolen? Oh, just some ropes and a couple of masks." He strangles the cop. Like he's like, "That's what he's using the rope for." Fantastic. <laughs> Very good, David Gordon Green. Very good, David Gordon Green. Very good. Like that's that's a good laugh. that is. I, all. I think all of that flashback stuff. If you told me before going in that that was going to be in it, I would have been worried. That's the stuff that I had the best time with watching this film.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a great prologue to the film and we talked about in the last episode how much we liked michael say something and the needle drop of the halloween theme tune Mm. this is a this has my favorite shot in the movie is when the camera pulls back and it's a visual echo of michael coming out of the house on halloween night after he's killed his sister yeah it's michael just standing in front of his house surrendering it's a real
0: powerful image i mean
1: later on in this film we know that michael could have easily taken out all those people, presumably. Well, but for some reason, in that moment, he doesn't. Yeah. Which is, for me, actually quite disturbing.
0: Mm.
1: Why does he just stop?
0: Because that's the thing I was thinking is like, does he not know what his power is at that point? He doesn't know. Or, or does. Because that's the thing. I don't think there's, there's even that conscious thought, is there? Like, does he know he's been beaten? Or does he know? Does he choose to be caught? Which is obviously quite terrifying. But it's a lovely
1: shot of the echo of the first film. That's mm. my favorite bit. And then you've got this kind of. More haunting choral version of the theme tune. Yeah. It's like not out of tune, but it's slightly different.
0: Yeah, it's not, it's not, I don't think it has the impact of the 2018 no. thing. I don't think anything in my life will ever have the impact of that moment. Absolutely not, no. But
1: even then, having a child might not even quite compare to that, I don't think.
0: And, and then another really, really huge smiley moment for us was when you see Lonnie, Lindsay, and Marion in the bar. Because I was like, okay, this is what we're doing and we're going to do this. Yeah, and in many ways, it really fulfills
1: on that idea that this is going back to the original. Yeah. So, so much of this film as the 2018 one is going back to that Carpenter original and thinking, what is in this film that we can take into new films? Yeah. Whereas a lot of the sequels kind of ignored it or trashed it. Yeah. So, finding those characters and bringing them together is almost like Survivor's Club.
0: Yeah. Would you do that on Halloween? It's quite poor taste, isn't it? Also, I'll be honest with you, I, fine with Tommy, fine with Lonnie, fine with Lindsay. I do not think Marion is hanging out in that group. I just yeah. can't see them going for a pint together. It could Can you? A
1: bit, it's a big age difference. But What's
0: that conversation? What's that first conversation? Maybe she's- big she, on, Did they ring them up? Did they ring her up or does she ring them up? I reckon she's big on the WhatsApp group. You think, yeah. Yeah, she's spamming WhatsApp she's, all day. No, that's the thing. She's the one who, in the WhatsApp group, every, everything she forwarded is got that thing at the top says forwarded many times. And it's like, oh, great, I'm going to click on this. Marion, and it's going to be a lady Marion. with her boobs up. But then, oh, she's got a big dick. Well done. <laughs> like, every single thing that I get. Uh, one from Marion. I've got it on mute. I've got it on mute. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, the other three of them also have their own oh, WhatsApp don't group. Say that. They've got their own WhatsApp <laughs> group that doesn't
1: have Marion in. That's,
0: don't, because that's made me feel sad. But can we just do some of this Halloween without marrying? Oh shit, I put it in the wrong group. Put in the wrong delete, group. delete. Delete, delete. It's right, she was asleep. Tommy Tommy, Tommy Doyle's deleted his message. Oh no. What well, did you delete? Oh, it's the wrong group you wouldn't like to marry in, don't worry. I I'm sorry, I just don't buy it. I don't buy that she's hanging out with them. Who's added Michael? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I think out of all the survivors. So obviously we get Lindsay, actual Lindsay, Lonnie, new Lonnie. Tommy, new Tommy, Marion, actual Marion. Sheriff Brackett as well, later on. I know he's not part bracket, of this, but yeah, yeah. a lot of characters from the original coming back. Absolute fine. With all of that, I think out of all of those, Brackett and Marion, uh, for me, their contributions are the worst and I wish they weren't in it. But, whereas like, I actually generally, I really like Tommy because I, I think like it's obviously destroyed him, not to the point where it's like debilitatingly so, which I really like. Mm, I think, um, and I same think, with Lonnie as well.
1: I think with Tommy as well, there's that. Also, does he like trotting it out? Does he like reliving it? Hmm. And it's whether, are you exploiting this in a perverse way or are you doing it to take control over it? And I think you can read it both ways because yeah. is he in the way that we can talk about Laurie later on, have you mastered this or have you let it ruin you?
0: Yeah. Or I think another way you can do it as well is like you just talk about it. I don't think you've, you haven't mastered it. You haven't let it ruin you. You just go on about it all the time.
1: Yeah, because when he tells that monologue, but he's almost telling it like it is a fun Halloween story to spook everyone in the room.
0: He's telling it at a talent show. How gutted are you to be the ventriloquist going after that? Well, I've just been working on my act for the last eight months, um, up to this now, and I, to be honest, I think I've got a really good act. Am I following a monologue about trauma? Can we put him on last? I don't think I am.
1: Can we? Honestly, he does this every year. <laughs> every year. <laughs> Weird, Lonnie introduced him as um, a bird whistler. I love a bit of bird whistling.
0: I think that's really uh, strange because it's like, oh, this Lonnie is Lonnie knows funny. what's yeah. coming. Yeah, exactly. If you know what's coming, that's a really strange thing to do. So
1: that makes me feel as if it's a tradition they do every year.
0: I did get a feeling when I watched it the second time that that was the first time he'd done the chat. I think they get together every year, but I think Lonnie's put him up to this, particularly on this year. That was the feeling right. that I got from yeah. it, which is, I, I do feel a little bit better because we did talk about it when we- Every year he's there. actually doing bird oh, Shut the fuck up, mate. Jesus, this again.
1: <laughs> I, I like that speech. He does talk very affectionately about Laurie. Yeah. I mean, she saved her life. And there is a lot of that later I was
0: like- she protected us all these years ago yeah, yeah this yeah. year we will protect her one um one thing right and this is just from working in a bar like a Halloween is enough like of a gimmick that you don't need to be doing other stuff ha- doing a doing because a, you get people dressed up and things like that why are you doing open mic on Halloween that's way too much stuff and going it's not on. even themed it's not even themed it was just no, that's, your, that's an excellent
1: point. Like you say, you're gonna you'll probably sell fewer tickets having seated.
0: Hundred percent, yeah. Than just having a big Halloween booze up. I to, I kinda didn't get that. Because he had like themed cocktails and stuff like that going on. Yeah. I think that's really I think you you've really done yourself a disservice then. Because what you want to do, because then the week the month the week after, you've got Bonfire night. What's the week after that? It's November twelfth. We'll do the open mic that night, night. night. Do a like, Yeah. I couldn't get my head around that. Ventriloquist got two more weeks to practice. Exactly. And yeah. then no monologue to follow. Whereas he, he could have just got up in the middle of the bar anyway. Yeah. And done that. Yeah, yeah. Because he could just tap his glass. Exactly. Yeah. I, think I that's just want to take this
1: moment like I do every year to, yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think I think I would have had a lot better, because I'm just thinking about if I'm there to watch the open mic. But what's really strange, I think, when they those characters introduced, I kind of clocked what was happening from mm. them from their like hands and stuff, which is really strange. And I was like, oh, I know what's going to happen here. Even though I had no idea who those people were. And then when you see it, like, okay. I genuinely, I think as a way, because this is something we talk about all the time, as a way of actually straight away, shortcut to you caring about victims, because now you're going to watch people that you have a connection to get murdered. Yeah, it's great I think that's a great shorthand. Really good shorthand, I think.
1: I really thought the voice that ended up being Lonnie was John Carpenter. sounds so much like him. That Kentucky accent. I really thought it was an audio cameo, but it ended up being Lonnie. He's fantastic. And we also find out a bit more about Lonnie, that Lonnie had this encounter with Michael on 78 that we never knew about outside the Myers house. Yeah. So it gives Lonnie, now weirdly Lonnie is, (laughs) if you watch that original film again, you go, it's Lonnie Elam. Yeah. I know what happens to him. I know what happens to his son. I love it. And also as
0: well, I really love this sort of, who he said she said thing from him and Ray from the last film about who sold oh, who the peyote. yeah and like they, they said he's they they're both out. dads not gonna say I'm being yeah. peyote. and then it's like so Ray says that Lonnie used to se- sell it to him and uh, Lonnie says that Ray used to sell it to him I fucking love that
1: that's so funny and we'll probably say this loads in this podcast it was there in the original having this continuity not only is it fun and like you said gives you a really good way into these characters makes you feel like a little town. Yeah. You and I grew up in yeah. places, small places. You get these generations and different families cross over. I knew your dad, you knew my dad. And yeah. there are a lot of these stories. So I think it gives it a real weird authenticity. Yeah.
0: I think let's talk about how it connects, right? Because I think we basically have been struggling since 2018. So what, well, since finding out that there were going to be another two films. I can sort of, in my head put together what i think is going to happen in halloween ends we should do that at the end of this yeah whereas at the uh, for this i mean we've been struggling to think of what was going to happen yes i mean we even muted the idea that laurie becomes the new michael (laughs) because we're like what happens in the second film so even though
1: halloween 2 doesn't exist this is a five minutes later sequel Mm. and similarly it chooses to put Laurie out of action. Yeah. I thought Karen was going to be a bigger part and she is to an extent, but it's way more shared out across all these yeah. protagonists. Tommy is the big driving force of this crowd vengeful mission to yeah. hunt down Michael. So Haddonfield weirdly becomes the protagonist in this film. Yeah. And I- I'm okay with Laurie being benched because presumably the next film is her film. Yeah. But...
0: It's a weird repetition of two. It it really is considering it's gone. And it's like, what's really odd is even though two has been jettisoned, there's still a shot, like a flashback shot. To Annie. Yeah. To um, Lee Brackett bringing out her
1: corpse. So I was thinking about this a lot. Where does that put you? Because that is a clip taken from Halloween 2, which has information that we explicitly no longer on the table, (laughs) i.e. Laurie being Michael's sister. That does not exist. No, yeah. So I guess they've just gone. Well, yeah, he still sad. would have found this this scene would have still happened. Yeah, yeah. And we have amazingly footage of him when he was younger seeing it. Mm. But it is an odd choice. Maybe be, if, yeah. it's odder if you know everything we know. I gonna say it's odder for Dweebs. Like, Whereas if you're just casual Halloween fan, you go, Oh, cool. That's lush they got that, isn't it? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a bit of luck in there. sees that door. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I do, I think it's Halloween 4 when we have people hunting down Michael yeah. um, and helping the cops. I thought it was- Which we loved as well. Like, yeah, I and the accident, idea. they kill someone as well. Again, yeah. there's an echo of another sequel that's no longer respected yeah. in this continuity. Ultimately, what this film does, it really ratchets up the scale of Michael's destruction Yeah, in a massive, massive way. So we go into the next film and Michael Myers, we'll get onto it later, is in a very, will be regarded very differently yeah. to everyone confronting him in the next film after yeah, this one. Yeah. Whereas in 2018, very few people had first-hand experience of Michael. Mm. They thought- um, it's even sort of mocked. Oh, he Likely killed three mocked. people, yeah, so yeah. what? It's not really a big deal by today's standards. Yeah. After this night, and particularly after Kills, we're dealing with something completely different here. Mm. So it'd be weird to see more characters in the next film going in with that knowledge. And not being perceived to be the freak outsider character like Laurie is in the last film.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or Loomis was in the original. Yeah, that's true, actually. I think that's the thing. I love the idea of Michael just turning this town to madness, but I just think the catalyst... I think the catalyst is for something way better than now we're all in the hospital Mm. chasing down this mental patient.
1: The one thing that kind of doesn't work for me is the message of the film is even if Michael dies the fear of him will remain and it's changed this town forever. And yeah. it's, it's an answer that we'll get from David Gordon Green later on that the message of this film is fear is beyond Michael, Yeah, which I get, but I don't think you can fully have that, that idea of this trauma and this fear remains when the mm. thing is dead. When Michael is very much alive going around killing people, yeah, that's yeah. the more immediate threat and he cannot be killed. But- so I don't know if you can fully explore that idea until he's gone. Yeah. I'd be so up for a sequel 10 years down the line where it's, tackling the fear after he's dead, they'll never make that film because you need Michael Myers in it.
0: Yeah, I was generally struck by, cause you obviously start thinking about like other trilogies and how other trilogies work. And I was generally struck by how much for me this, you could kind of compare this to the Dark Knight because at the end of Dark Knight, there's a huge chat about the fact that Batman is just a symbol mm. and it, almost like Michael Myers, is a symbol as well for fear, mm. but also at the same time, he's very much a, he's very much out there killing people. So he, it's like he's not a symbol. That's a man who's yeah. out there killing stuff.
1: I mean, I I respect the symbol chat. Yeah, I feel like let's tackle <laughs> the more immediate problem.
0: He's got a fucking chainsaw. <laughs> yes,
1: sharks sure, conceptually I scary, Yeah, but there is one
0: exactly here. I think that's the kind of thing I don't think is strong enough and. She, like you have Jamie Lee Curtis talking about like this was Michael's masterpiece, was it? I feel like she's going around killing people. Like you, no. are, But then maybe that's the point of it. Like they're building up this massive thing in their heads around him, and actually he just he's fucking out for a good time, isn't it? But like we said
1: previously, I don't think there's a man on this planet that loves Halloween more. Yeah, exactly. And he's 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 not celebrated it for forty years. Yeah, and he, he goes to town tonight. Yeah. One more thing in how it connects, we've Mm. already alluded to it, is the flashback 78 um, sequence, how it ends. Yeah. They're about to execute Michael. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And the turning point is Hawkins, we find out, stops it, which he feels a lot of guilt about, which he takes into this film. And he's really riled up and he's like, I have to be the one to kill Michael. Yeah, I think it's really interesting. Those cops are going to let him execute him.
0: Yeah. They're just going to
1: go, yeah, it's absolutely fine with us. Are you allowed to do that? This is what I was thinking when I was watching it.
0: (laughs) No, you're not. But, (laughs) so if, if they did execute him, also it's Loomis going to execute him as well, by the way. It's not another cop. That's (laughs) right, (laughs) the cop's like, yeah, right. Um, Can I tell you a story? you guys someone. No, but this is something that I always remember as a little kid. It's when I was like 12 years old. (laughs) Killed my sister now. When I was like 12 years old, (laughs) me and my dad were walking... To the local chip shop uh, to get dinner on a Friday night, right? And as we're like, our car is sort of parked across this main road, and there's a guy pushing a pram, and uh, this car comes round the corner and it's like swerving everywhere, hits a banking. We like, we didn't have to jump out of the way, but it was the car was very close to all three of us, four with a baby, right? Hits a lamppost, skids off and then skids up and then police are chasing them. And uh, this woman comes out and like starts going crazy for the baby. The guy who was pushing the baby is like anger because this car could have hit his baby or whatever. Our car is there. So my dad was just an idiot. So says to the guy, jump in. So they jumped in the car, they drove up. And basically what it turned out was there was a drunk driver and the police were chasing a drunk driver. The car wasn't close to hitting us, right? But this guy had her in his head. So in this car, I'm sitting in the back of this car. This guy's in the front going like, oh, he could have hit my baby, could have killed it. My dad is like, yeah, my son was with me and stuff like that. So we drive up to the top of my street and we see all the flashing lights and stuff. I'm very worried about where this is going. We we pull up, right? And then- uh, the police have like arrested the guy. The guy is out of his mind, right? Like drunk and on drugs or whatever, put him in the back of the thing. So my dad and the guy get out and they say, look, this guy, we saw it all, blah, 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 So the police are like, oh, we'll take your um, thing in a minute. But the guy is like really angry and says to the guy, he's like, you could to fucking kill my baby, blah, blah, blah. The police let the guy get in the back of the van and give this guy a fucking pasting because my dad got on the back of the van and give the guy a pasting as well and that- the police are just standing outside the van and me, little like 12 year old, wherever I was, kid is just listening to this guy getting fucking pasted. In my head, you're in the back of shop with your
1: full beard now that you have as a man <laughs> shouting, did he kill again? <laughs> Evil dies
3: <laughs> tonight! <laughs>
0: <laughs> but isn't that mad? And the police just let, they were just, the police just were like, okay, yeah, okay. And like, And then they like went in and grabbed oh, the guy that out. is some early, I mean- Trauma. I was going to
1: say, I don't, I don't think police brutality is a nostalgic item. <laughs> no, I mean technically
0: that's not really police, police brutality. That's no. like just adult men yeah. brutality. No. Just plain old fashioned brutality. brutality yeah. yeah, in the back of a van. But that's what I mean. That I mean. Yeah, I,
1: I, I think that's a really interesting scene. Yeah, he was going to
0: point blank execute him. Yeah, and then they stopped it and then, well, then Hawkins I mean, stopped it This Hawkins mean, like, knocks the gun out and, but then you have that scene as well where the police guy is like explaining to him like look this is what we'd have to say has happened Lee shot himself blah blah blah, blah. Mm. Yeah. he actually framed Michael Myers for, for a murder, which I murder, you know
1: yeah. I don't think that's on it's really not on now. Because it's, it's actually boosting his
0: numbers in a dishonest way. I, I mean, that's I mean he thing. makes up for it in this film, to be fair. The police should be stopping executions. They should be not letting two men jump in the back of a police van and beat up a guy. Yeah. Um, but
1: sometimes there's something called front lawn justice. <laughs> <laughs> and if you, if you excuse you In the South Wales Valleys. <laughs> what's going to be a net win?
0: If you knew how many people he kills in this film, yeah. you're saving a lot of people. Would you, if you were Hawkins, are you stopping that execution? I'm not stopping it, but I'm not standing close to it. No. I'm probably going to be like, I think I left something upstairs. After watching this film, I'd just be interested to see what would happen. Yeah. Oh, that's a good point,
1: actually. Yeah. At least they would learn more. Yeah. But they didn't know that then. Again, will get on that later. But yeah,
0: yeah.
2: What did they know back then? You and Allison should not have to keep running. Evil dies tonight.
0: So let's do mass ranking then.
1: This is a tricky one. It's a really tricky one. It is very much the mask from the last film,
0: with some burning. So it's still a really strong mask. It is a really strong mask. I found it weirdly podgy looking in some bits. Did you? Yeah, I felt like it was sort of sticking out a little bit. There's a couple of scenes, particularly like towards the beginning, where it looks weirdly podgy. But I tell you what, it actually looks like a human. It looks like a human face that's just been burned. Mm. It looks like. I don't even know if rubber would burn like that. Like, yeah, would it? I don't know. Because it looks like that's... Because I've seen people who've got, when like, burns it? on their faces and ears and stuff like that. When did
1: it get burned? Yeah, that's a good point. Because in that sequence, weirdly, yeah. at the beginning when we find out, Michael's hiding. Yeah, he found so a little cupboard or something. Behind some metal blinds. Yeah. So he's protecting himself. And then presumably he gets pulled up. I know it's probably that ambient heat has melted it. So maybe that's it, actually. It's not been on fire. Mm. It's just the um surrounding heat has melted it against yeah, it. Yeah, it would
0: have taken him it would have taken him a couple of seconds to yeah. find that little
1: cupboard. Where is it where his clothing's not gonna do that from ambient
0: heat, but no. the latex could melt? I love that scene where the guy like reaches out his hand and then you just see only for a split second the reflection in the face. It's almost like when a shark when you see like a shark coming towards you in a shark movie, you know? I thought that was really, really good. I
1: love when he opens that blind.
0: I uh I'm glad. Because I thought, oh, he's going to put the apparatus on and he's going to get out like that. No, I'm glad he didn't do that. So presumably what he does is lifts himself up through that hole I then. I guess so. I wonder if he breaks out the H2O one-handed yeah, yeah. pull-up move. And then he just comes out. I think it's so funny just watching their face when he's like, what is that?
1: Because also what's interesting in that, I'm going to call it a fight sequence, mm. it is... is yeah. We know who Michael Myers is. <laughs> these, these firemen have no idea who Michael Myers is. Yeah. they. I don't think in the papers, uh, there's pictures of what Michael Myers looked like all those years ago. No, there's not no, a photographer no, yeah. going around on that front lawn when he's getting executed going, this is the Michael Myers look. Yeah. They must be going, what the fuck is this? What are we
0: doing? Yeah, also love the first thing they do is like, let's tool up. Well, I guess-, I guess He comes he out with threatening. Yeah, like, he yeah. looks quite menacing and he's got the- fireman's pole or whatever it is. Yeah, I did actually look up what that was called, but I've forgotten it. But yeah, he actually, he's got that. And like that shot, he like puts it in his hand, like- It's called Halligan's Bar? That's it, yeah, yeah, yeah. So he puts that in his hand, like, and he turns it as if it's like, right, let's have a fucking fight then. But I do, I think it looks really, really good. I think you can't really argue with it because they what they've done is they've just taken that normal mask and burnt it a little bit. Well, you have another mask to talk about, the 78. Yes. looks great. looks really good. It looks so good. His, the only thing is- that's harder
1: as well, because you're trying to recreate something we know exactly. Whereas 2018, you're extrapolating what that mask would look like. So you've got a bit
0: more leeway. It's really hard because I think his head looks bigger. Yeah. He looks a bit bulkier as well. Yeah. The actor's played. So there's
1: another actor playing him as well. Right. We'll talk about in performance, but the mask I think looks really good in the scenes when he's strangling the cop. Yeah. There is that thing where you do see a bit of skin in the eyes Mm. and the eye holes look great i think
0: yeah i think that it looks more like the what it looks pretty much exactly like the first one which i think is really good there's obviously like a little bit more money being spent on it what a mad thing to have to do though because you create that one exactly so now we've had to go in 2018 we've had to make that mask that is the original and then how it would have perished by that point now we have to go back and go, right, we have to re- actually go back and go, what did it actually look like? That's fantastic. Are we going to rank that one? Well, I think you've got to rank it all together, I guess, haven't we? Like, yeah, that's what we've done with previous, experience. Mm, the experience of it.
1: So should we do that? And then we can hear from David Gordon Green and Jamie Lee on the masks as well. Okay, so what's our current ranking? So bottom of the pile, five, mm-hmm. then four, mm-hmm. then H2O, then Rob Zombie 2, then two. Then resurrection, then Rob Zombie one six. Then at one point five we've got Halloween twenty eighteen, yeah. and then top of the pile we still have the original Halloween. It's got to be th- third on it.
0: I, got, I think it's got to be because I, yeah.
1: I really. I mean, the melted one is a continuation of it. The thing that which we, we do like, yeah. I and, mean, but then the seventy eight one looks great.
0: I think the f- it just looks like a person's face that's been burnt, and I think. That's really hard to do with a mask because the th- thing that we liked about 2018, I was like, that just looks like a person's face. And this looks like a person's face that's been burned. I think mean, they've done an inc- incredible job.
1: Also, as big fans of the series, it's such a massive kick to get new footage of the original mask. Yeah, it's or cool, something that, that yeah. looks pretty much spot on. Yeah, yeah, Because yeah. it is my favorite one. Absolutely, yeah. so To see him in more scenes and do more things with that look. Yeah, yeah. Is quite thrilling. So we're going to go
0: Halloween Kills at third. At third, yeah. Excellent. So, Daniel, you got to speak to David Gordon Green and Jamie Lee Curtis. Yes. So throughout the rest of this episode
1: in categories, we're going to be bringing them in and hearing what they have to say. And this is David Gordon Green on The Mask.
3: Well, the only thing I did right is hire Christopher Nelson to design The Mask because he's a he's a, an incredible artist. But he's he'd be the first to tell you how actually difficult it is to recreate a piece of latex it's not like a lifelike sculpture that you could do the original mask was a one-off imperfect altered piece of latex that then aged very quickly and so you can't sculpt it and have the same the same effect there's also it also is effect like if i put the mask on it would look wrong whereas if jim courtney puts it on it looks right and then when we do a different version for the 1978 mask and Aaron Armstrong puts it on, it looks different than when Jim puts it on. And so it is the, 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 the head that's underneath it, the lighting that's around it, and there's so many variables on top of the texture and the hairline and those obvious things. I, I don't know the artists that created some of the subsequent films in the franchise, but some of the masks just look like a whole different reinvention. Like It's like you're gonna reinvent the suit for the new Batman movie. Uh, and so I think they probably just weren't concerned about any sort of authenticity they were doing their, their reinvention of the mask is what it would appear to me like, but I, I have, without speaking to them, I don't know. I do have a photograph in my office. I think it's from Resurrection of a lineup of like eight different models being pr- presented to the director of d- eight different masks to, for consideration. And it's, it's very hysterical because there's a different artist with every mask being held up, looking like, like they've been up for the last four hours or the last four days trying to, to sculpt something for this presentation,
1: <laughs> so what's interesting about that is all the variables. So he yeah. says you can you can you can create the mask that, as a mask, looks most like the seventy eight original. Yeah, but you've got to factor in the performer's head as well because it's got to sit right. So you're yeah. almost compensating for the bone structure under it. And we talked about this. Halloween is just a very good film. Yeah. So by virtue of that, whatever they did with that mask has in the years become like since become iconic. Yeah. So it's a really hard thing to try to replicate something which was an accidental one-off.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> that's the task that they've undertaken with these. I think that's really interesting as well. We just go it almost the way that he says the way that Dave Golden Green says that is when he says like oh they just were just doing their reinvention of it. It's almost like they weren't given enough time to the mask, or they weren't given enough sort of respect to how big a deal the mask was, which is something we've said through all these podcasts. Where it was like, when are you having that meeting? How are you not having that meeting day one? I think it almost makes me feel a bit kinder to those other
1: masks yeah. if I think, oh, they aren't even trying to recreate it. Yeah. But then it's such an oversight to not pay that mask the attention it deserves that, oh, there actually is something special about that one maybe yeah. that's one of the elements that really hits about the original yeah,
0: yeah, yeah not
1: just the camera work this weird freak accident that tommy lee wallace made in an afternoon back in 77 or whenever yeah. he just got it right by accident mm. so it's odd that all this time and money is spent to recreate this thing that probably cost like five bucks to
2: make all those years ago <laughs> first of all we're so lucky because chris nelson um who is the brilliant special effects um man he's also an actor weirdly enough if you liked the 2018 movie he's the cop talking about the bonami sandwich with um a real cop who's the other cop in the in the car Uh, chris nelson our special effects genius is also an actor there's a lot of lore about these masks you know we shot the movie in march 1978 um, uh, 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 there, there was no Amazon. You couldn't just order things. If you, went to a Halloween, if you went to a costume store and said, I need a Halloween mask, they had to go in the basement, pull out all their old stock because they didn't have that up right now, it was March. And they found a William Shatner mask, as you know, a latex rubber William Shatner mask, took off the facial hair, painted it white, and that was the mask, period, end of story all of the subsequent movies they've had different people make them and blah 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 the masks have been sort of nasty i'm assuming the one that was controversial was the h2o movie
1: yeah well i think it's more because there's like a few different ones in it that people kind of yeah, are going bad
2: and we're lucky because chris nelson made really good masks and he aged them well and all the rest of it um you know what is it about this mask? I don't really know. I think there's the enigmatic idea that you can project onto the mask since you don't see him or his eyes, like anything that you're afraid of. You can put into him your worst fears, and he will only get scarier. So I don't have a lot to say about it because, you know, I'm I, I just you know. I don't have anything to do with the mask.
1: Lovely to speak to Jamie Lee Curtis. Can I just? Focusing on the fact that the other cop is just an actual cop. What?
0: He's so funny. <laughs> why is he a real cop, and why is the other actor? I mean, it solved the mystery of why he doesn't have an extensive IMDB. Well, that's the, that's the thing that we were talking about. Was like that doesn't make. To, we were saying like <laughs> in the last film, like they have a comedy stable that is so deep that they could just bring on anybody to do those things, and you bring on the guy who's designing the mask and a real. Policeman, and actually, to be fair, they're both fucking brilliant in her. Yeah, I, I can't, I can't believe that. It's interesting. This, well, obviously, like the really big things. Heard just saying the H two O mask is just bad. Yeah, and well, I think it's cool about that is you know she
1: knows her part in this production, and she's not mm. trying to. It's hard for her because, like the clip we had on last week's episode, she's so synonymous with the series, and she does feel ownership. But also, she doesn't get in other people's way about stuff. So she's happy to be Laurie Strode and play her part. And she did a really nice Instagram post recently where she said, "I feel like the cheerleader for this franchise. Right? Yeah. yeah. And my job is to turn up, be Laurie, Mm. but also like to keep morale high and celebrate everyone who works on it. Yeah. So I think it's a nice deferential answer where she goes."
0: Those are nothing to do with me, but he did a really great job. Yeah, I, I as much as I obviously accept that because that's what she said, how are you not getting involved with that? If you're Laurie Stroll and you'd be like, I'm sorry, we got to talk about this mask. This is fucking
1: shit. On H2O? Yeah. yeah. She's looking busy she'd become a new mum. That's true. And also they probably go, oh, see, you can do anything with CG these days.
2: <laughs> can you? He's coming for me, but I'm coming for him.
0: All right, then let's talk about Michael's performance. I mean, in other podcasts, we've asked, we've talked about when they ask him to do a little bit too much, and the film can suffer. I do, I, I think they ask him to do way, way too much in this film.
1: Yeah, but I would also argue that he almost don't show a lot of it. So the fight sequence that sounds crazy to me, and mm. but there's not a lot of fluid shots of him doing it.
0: Well, there's, there, but the only thing is when there are, I think he looks quite weak. Mm. And I think they are quite, it's like, cause his stance, the particularly, there's two shots in particular. There's one in the last fight scene, but there's one in the first one when he's like stab, he's like lunging forward to stab someone. I feel like he looks quite weak. He doesn't look sturdy so at that's all. That's interesting. I, so I interpret that he looks 60 <laughs> Yeah. to me. That's what I <laughs> think he looks like an, an oldish dude. Right, yeah, yeah. I, I, just, I just think, I don't think it's a good shot either. I just don't think, I think the way that his legs are open, they are open too wide. Mm. And I just think he doesn't look sturdy, and when he doesn't look sturdy, he's not scary to me. Whereas if he look, there are bits where he looks really sturdy in this. So I think the flip of that
1: is seeing him do it in like fluid motion, which I think would also look bad. <laughs> Feels like Bruce Lee. <laughs> well, the, well, otherwise, what? Well, for, the thing I always thought about is it would be like that Colin Firth sequence from Kingsman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't. Want and that. You can't. You can't shoot we, that. I, I think there's certain restrictions yeah. about him having fluid motion because we've had that in some of the sequels,
0: Yeah. and it's when we've seen him do too much. It's a it's a lot it, better in the last in the last fight scene. It's a lot better because you see a lot more just uh, a f- a sort of movement from him. Then you see the actual shot of a close up of a knife going in or something happening. It's only now and again where you see him just do something, and it, it was particularly at the beginning where he just he does this weird like lunge forward. And I, I, I was like, oh, I wish I'd, I hadn't seen that. Actually, you know what? It makes perfect sense for me to play this clip from David
1: Gordon Green. So I asked him specifically, how do you tackle those fight sequences? Because, yeah. you know, he can't be Colin Firth in that no. church <laughs> sequence.
3: Yeah, and, and I, I have to say some of that in the moment becomes comes up to the intuition of me and the, the camera team and Jim, the performer, of what feels right and how would you respond and he does get shot more and, and he does take a beating and, and 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 I don't know that I don't know that Michael feels pain necessarily but I think there's a reality to gravity that in physics that he does absorb he's not going to run he's not going to cry he's not going to shout although there's a couple of times in the sound mix where I'm, I'm hearing an exertion out of him, and we left that in there. So there, there is a there is an articulation in there that I would have told you a year, a couple of years ago, that he doesn't do outside of breathing. But you hear, Ugh! you know, you hear some of that if you listen to the s- uh, sound design, and that was a choice to leave that in. And I don't know what that is other than an intuition.
0: That's good. No grunts, but if they are, they're natural grunts. Yeah. So that's a problem.
1: So I didn't really pick on that when we watched it in the <laughs> cinema. No. And it is something we picked Rob Zombie up for. I guess it's not that prominent in this. Yeah. What I like about that is for all the supernaturalism that we'll discuss around Michael, particularly in this film, he's still a man. He's still a physical object in this world, and yeah. he's going to get knocked down. He is yeah. going to bleed. He is susceptible to physics. Yeah, yeah. But what makes him disturbing is there's no human reaction to any of those inflictions. Mm. So he's not gonna run, he's not gonna protect himself, he's not gonna cry. Yeah. He's just gonna absorb it. Which I think is interesting. And what I think particularly interesting about that answer is on set you're making this split second you're making this judgment about what Michael can and can't do. Yeah. And all you've got is the Templar or the blueprint is the original. Mm. And with these films you you can't just keep making seventy eight again. No. And if you're gonna escalate the story, we need these sequences of Michael taking this beat in and coming back from it. yeah. But it's like, it's a nightmare to shoot. Like, yeah, how yeah, do you... Yeah. I don't know what you do
0: with this character because there's restrictions on it. Yeah. I think like, that's the thing. It's almost like, you know, when we were talking about uh, Straight After, when you see that mob, you know, surround him at the end, you're like, oh, here we go. They're going to, like, rip him in pieces or something like that. And you're like, no, they're, stu- they're just stupid people. And not like... Stupid decision. I just well, they might be stupid decisions, but they're just mob. Then they have no. Well, they idea. don't they know what a, Michael is. Yeah, they've never been in a mob before, so they're just like, yeah, they're just hitting him and well, stuff like that. Well, it's like your dad and that guy in the back of that van. Yeah. Actually, should
1: we rip him to pieces? <laughs> yeah. The police are
0: like, oh, hang on, lads. No, uh, i just beat him just, up. You you just give him a little bit of a kick in. But what <laughs> if he's pure evil? I don't know what this chat is. Yeah. Sorry, can we get him out of the van?
1: <laughs> can you shut your son up? If he was chanting evil die, tonight.
0: tonight, can you just take
1: him to the chippy? My dad's like, yeah, you will do that. Yeah, he's not had his battered sausage yeah. yet. <laughs> but I think because we've spent the last 10, 11 weeks talking about what Michael can and can't do. Yeah, I asked David Gordon Green, why is that discussion? Who's yeah. allowed to have a voice in that chat? Who is part of, for want of a better expression, the
0: Myers Trust? Great question.
3: Yeah, it's all of that. You know, I usually bring the editor and the sound designers into it and we and, and some of the executives that, um, you know, Ryan Turek is an executive at Blumhouse that is is very much a, a scholar of Myers. And so we always agree that we're not going to, we're not going to break the rules until unless we know we're breaking the rules, you know. And 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 we'll consider why and how. There's another scene in this movie where he takes multiple knives and and for one of the kill scenes and 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 it's almost like you see his creation. You know, he he's very often he'll have these aftermath tableaus of of what he's done with the cadaver and and we never see him actually putting these together. But this is like mm. a moment where you see some of the creative process of him and in, in his consideration of the blades as if he's going to put on some display and that's something that we talked about because we haven't done that before and
0: i love talking about the michael myers creative process
1: i just i mean after doing this podcast for so long i just want to be a part of that yeah and
3: exactly david
1: g- give me and gab a call yeah
0: come on can we, we just take it
1: can we in the whatsapp group
0: just yeah chuck us in the whatsapp group i'm like this mm, one's got a bit quiet they're in the other one they're in the other one <laughs> It's uh, just mean. You said yeah. Myers memes. Myers gifts. Um,
1: interesting quote though. We only want to break the rules when we know we're breaking the rules. So yeah. if they're going to do something that's big out of character, it's going to be a discussion. Yes, and it's going to be for a point. So, for yeah, instance, yeah. hypothetically, in the next film, if he's going to say a word, you yeah. know, they're not doing that slightly flippantly. Yeah, yeah that's that's going to be considered and for a reason. Yeah, which I think is really interesting. What also we should talk about based on that? I think we we're going to talk about it anyway. Michael's creative process. We've, mm. We finally, we've talked about this for 10 weeks in making these tableaus, same expression that he used. Yeah, yeah. We get to see one, and I think it's one of the most haunting bits in the film. It's horrible, yeah. He moves back and forth with this weird curiosity. Yeah, like yeah. Like a child, like this monster. Yeah. Selecting knives and then just slamming them into the guy's back.
0: Yeah, it's almost like he is definitely watching how they go in and what the reaction of the knives are and what the reaction of the body is and things like that. When the Y screaming? It, the white, yeah, it's, it's pretty grim, man. Um, I also read it, I was like, is he practicing as well? And I think that's interesting. Like, what is
1: Michael operating on in yeah. that scene? And what I think I like about that scene is it feels consistent with Michael Myers as a character. Mm. Uh, it's just a bit of the performance we've never seen before. Yeah, absolutely. That's the stuff that he's always done off stage Mm. in the other films. So I think it's really cool in this film that they tease that out and we are allowed to see that happen.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I think it's one of those things as well. I'm, you know, moaning earlier about seeing him do too much. I don't mind that because I can kind of see that going on. If I saw him doing Big John and Little John's thing, because this is what we had. We had a conversation straight after lunch. It was like, because I said, Oh, was that little John doing that? Or was that Michael? Because I think there's an argument to be made for both. If it's Michael, Michael's changed the record and has put the needle. But when has Michael known how to use a record player? But that, I mean, that saw who saw Michael DJing? It's fantastic. And he's like, he's dragged them both together and he's put a lovely little song on. If the argument is that Michael did that, that's fucking brilliant.
1: I'm totally with you. I think I like that those fight sequences exist for what they signify. I
0: think the first one, the fireman one, Shows he is pissed off weirdly. Also, also, as much as I I was like, after when I saw it for the second time, I was like, I'm not that massive fan of it. The first time we watched it, I was like, Fucking yes, this is brilliant. Well,
1: (laughs) because also, in terms of your appreciation of the film, in those moments, you know, the first film last week we were talking about. It's a really great um, story about um, survivors trauma and about yeah. three generations of women. In this film, was like, fucking Michael, go do him.
0: Come on, Michael, boy. At the end, at the end,
1: I, when he went, when Laurie's doing the monologue about him transcending yeah. and he goes for the knife, like I was like watching the end of Batman Begins. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. <laughs> the weirdly rooting for him. I don't- They've wronged you, Michael. I think that's a big thing that, you know, I was just having a quick little look on Twitter and stuff over the weekend to people going, is it wrong that I'm on Michael's side? Well, everybody's on Michael's uh, side Police brutality. Absolutely, yeah. Police sprained him. Although, to be fair, I still do like the sheriff, so I'm still on their side.
1: Massively on their side. Do you know how hard it is to get mental health treatment in America? (laughs) Exactly, exactly. I also just asked David Gordon Green... What is, that, what is that rule set for Michael Myers? What can you have him do? What you can you not have him do? And yeah. I guess that informs these fight sequences because what is appropriate for him to do on cameras? And this yeah. is what he said.
3: For the journey that I take with James in that role, it's a different dynamic than any other actor I've ever worked with because this is an actor that not only can't speak, but he has very limited parameters of what physicality will allow. He's not gonna chase after you in a, in a sprint and he's not gonna pull a gun on you and shoot you. And we look at him a lot like uh, a house cat. And so there's a, the consideration and stealthy gracefulness of a house cat. And sometimes it'll, it'll trot after you at a faster pace and sometimes it'll tilt its head from side to side. But there's something very feline about Michael Myers in, in, in our mind. And so we look at him as a cat, we look at it sometimes as a as a as a as a young boy, and we really consider this strange spiritual side of of Michael. He's a, he's a, he's ghostly in a lot of ways, and so James is a, a performer that is. I mean, it's it's hard to say method in a character like that, but he's very in control and aware on set, and he's very serious on set, and when you talk through the the safety and choreography of a sequence and a kill sequence, and there's no one that takes greater time and consideration and, and professional attitude than him going to this very specific place that is like, um you know, we, we look at it as a, a, a kill sequence is a, a pent up energy and then a release. So there's a, a specific pace of his walk. and, and, and also keep in mind that, Myers has matured for 40 years since Nick Castle invented some of these steps. We studied the, the movements of the shape in the original film and then thought of what that's like coming out of a, a, a more aged man who has been confined to an institution for so many years. So it's not a guy that was out on the treadmill um, necessarily, but he's a, a, a person that's re- retained that posture and that... Um, a, a little bit of a lift in his stature even as he's aged
0: i love the idea of michael like a cat I and
3: mean, you can kind of see that
0: like built up frenetic energy just being released straight away
1: what it reminded me of is the motion sensor light in the last film yeah because yeah. i think we've all seen those videos on twitter or whatever of a cat and then you go away and the cat gets closer yeah, yeah you yeah. go away that's and the gets exactly closer what it is, yeah. that's exactly, what, exactly that, what that sequence is All right. Also that idea that a killer's is a pent-up energy. Mm. Almost Michael gets it out and then it calms him because we've said this before. It's not like Michael goes around indiscriminately killing everyone. No, that's It's quite, not insatiable. Yeah. Maybe but, it's context dependent. He gets one out and then he moves on. He's got yeah. a weird agenda that you can't
0: really divine. Weirdly sexual, Daniel. That is, isn't it? It's a weirdly sexual way of doing it because he's got a lot of pent-up energy that he needs to get out and that's a, how a he does it. A we, we don't know how if he's jacking it. In his uh, thing. Is, is he a virgin? Are you allowed? To, yeah, you're allowed yeah. to wank as much as you want, I guess, if you're in a hospital, aren't <laughs> you? They're not well, coming around, no, banging on the door, going, not if you're in.
1: Not if you're an A&E. A. No, that. They would stop no. you.
0: But if, if you had your own room. room. Yeah, and I mean.
3: Uh, in a sanitarium. I, guess,
1: I, I mean, yeah. well, Migs. You're allowed to, yeah. Migs is famous for it. That's what he wants. Isn't it weird that they all put Miggs behind plexiglass? <laughs> yeah, put him. The secretor.
0: Put him, Migs as a Put,
1: put, put Lexi behind the boys. Put Migs behind the flexi glass.
2: I want to take his mask off and see the life of his eyes.
0: All right, let's talk about stupidest decision. I, I mean, I've got two things that are not just stupidest decision. I just, I think they are stupidest decision, but I also, I feel like stupidest decision that nobody else on the production was like, let's fucking not do that, lads. Interesting. And it's two lines. Because we talked about, last week right on the podcast gotcha is a really hard line to deliver and i don't actually do you know what i'm not i don't mind her delivering again i think she does it all right i don't mind it right there are a couple of like they load this film up with so many bonkers lines i was writing them down as i was going and i was like i it's it's hard to say lines like that and i think this film is just full of too many of them like evil dies like i want to say like love Love lives today, but evil dies tonight. That's a really hard line to deliver. Mm. And I don't think, it's a hard old line to say, and I don't think they do a good job of it. That's like my eat, pray, love. It, it really is. In the same as, hey, Michael, this is for Dr. Loomis. Nope, can't say yeah. that. She's not not done a lot of acting. Nope, can't say that. Absolutely, nope, you're not, you're not having that. I'm sorry. Same as bracket saying, hey, Michael, it's Halloween. Everyone's entitled to one good scare. Nope, can't say that either. Because what well, he looks so happy in that moment, for yeah, because no, he's I, out of the house. But you're like, there's no reason for you to. You have that door, line. He murdered your daughter. That line means nothing to you. You've forgotten that you said that. That's one day in your life, forty years ago. Yeah, it means something to us as watchers of a film, but he doesn't know that we exist. Hopefully, otherwise, what world is he living in? Um, and there's lots of lines like that Laurie has a couple as well And like, she's, she's a good actor, man It makes the pain go away No, what are you doing? Why are you, why are you talking like cli- that? It's just cliche, that one, isn't why it? Why are you talking like that? Like, it's, a, it's a paper cut No, you were, you were doing Like in the last film If we were saying You know how to They know how to write people talking normally Make them talk normally And they don't talk normally in this film That's For me, that was a bad decision That just kind of We saw it because we said the
1: last one walked that fine line between doing something new but respecting the original and we thought it nailed it. I feel like with this one, you can leave the behind the everyone's entitled to one good skirt. You can leave that behind. That's in the past now. We're moving forward. And
0: I know it's like- Bracket being in here is enough for me. Yeah. It's enough for him. Yeah. It doesn't. But also, to be fair, without that line, he literally the only he's only got say, Laurie, I think, pretty much. He <laughs> he's a lot wait, also, it's re- why
1: that showcases is he at uh, his age should not be security in the hospital. Yeah,
0: because when that kicks off, he's not going to be doing much, is he? Yeah. I guess that's probably like a hospital pass of a, just a boring job, you know, hospital yeah. pass, literally. <laughs> yeah. um, but like, that's probably just a boring job. They just go fucking stick Brackett. It's basically on like Night Watchman. Yeah, essentially. Just stick him on there. Um, I think that's pretty bad. So was that, that was one of yours? Well, all, I mean, all of them, yeah. All of those together. But I mean, that's more just production stuff. I do, I have two stupidest decisions.
1: And, I've got two as well. With a
0: third one that I think we've mentioned earlier in this podcast. Okay, yeah. So I think this one is like the mob not going in. But then this but this is one that I don't mind. It's a stupid decision by them, but I don't mind it. It's like the mob not cutting him up and stuff like that. But because all, they don't know. Yeah, it's not stupid. No. It's,
1: it, it's one of those that plays in a horror film. You go, I think you're being stupid. But yeah. we have access to knowledge that they do not They obviously think that is sufficient. Yeah.
0: If anything, it's a stupid decision from Karen. Not going to them. Make sure whatever you do, because bearing in mind we've already burnt him alive, make sure whatever you do, he can't walk away. And she doesn't know the specifics of that escape.
1: Fair enough. So that leads on (gasps) to my stupid decision. Karen saying, gotcha. Yeah. And then not really seeing the aftermath. No. You haven't got him. You've already said got you once and you yeah, didn't. yeah, yeah. I would stay yeah, yeah, and yeah. see it through. And also you're the one in that group that can maybe table. Mm. Let's rip him up. Yep, let's rip him up. Because you stab him. Great. Mm. I like that Karen is the person that takes that moment and has that moment in this film. Yeah, yeah. But she just leaves.
0: Well, Tommy says to her, hey, we can take it from here. Go be with your daughter. She's like, all right, fine.
1: What? What are you doing? She's hubris that. <laughs> I think that's my one of my big superstitions. Is Karen just not making sure? <laughs> yeah. Not making sure for the second time in about, about 12 now.
0: hours. <laughs> yeah.
1: You, you know, if I said to you in the hospital, oh, do you wish you'd stayed? Yeah. You've got that moment now yeah, again, Karen. Yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> That's the thing, they run away from that house so quickly. Where actually, what well, he should have done is just stood outside and being like, Let's just stop and watch it burn. Because if he comes out of that, yes, we are in danger, but at least we'll know and we can, yeah, and we can form it. some sort of assault well, on
1: him. Just don't make an assumption.
0: It's a terrible, and Karen terrible has made decision,
1: yeah. An assumption there, and if you make an assumption, yep, you die. <sighs>
0: Uh, that is really uh, that is really good. Karen's really...
1: She fucked up and she paid the price, mate. Uh, before we get on to our other new ones, I think one we said earlier is not having a big piss up in that bar. There's a bad business decision.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: It's a it's a stupid decision to host a talent show on the night
0: of Halloween. I think you're, you're just pissing away two good ideas there, aren't yeah. you? Because you just go, it's Halloween. Just get everyone to dress up. Have a costume party. I two think, of them come in costume. I, th- I think, yeah, there's not a lot of costumes in that bar, by the way. No, I, th- I feel... But oh. I, what I think is really good is a lot of costumes in the mob at the end when they're beating him up, which is kind of good. We get a little callback to Tiger. There's a Tiger there. Oh, yeah. There's a couple of lo- lot of people just like biffing him up. I think that's quite good. What I do think is really good is the premiere in LA. They obviously decided for Halloween oh, yeah. Kills to all go in Halloween costumes. I think it's, that's really good to not dress up. Jamie
1: went as a mum. I really yeah. like the idea of a shower curtain being a shawl. Yes. And
0: David Gordon Green went as what I think looks like Delbert Grady from The Shining. Yeah, I think that's a really good idea that is. Because my friends are getting married on Halloween, do it, and they're not doing Halloween dress for it. Oh. Well, it's, they get married on the thirtieth, so I'll, I'll excuse that a little bit. So they get married on the thirtieth, and they're not doing Halloween fancy dress. I'd love to get married to Lily Monster, <laughs> <laughs> but, but I, I, think I reveal would, something about myself. But you do something like that, though. I think my friends, uh, to be fair, they're not into Halloween. I definitely so, would. Yeah, you would. Yeah, they're not into Halloween. Although, to be fair, I've always said if I was going to get married, I'd get married on New Year's Eve. Because people yeah. can't be asked with New Year's Eve yeah. a lot of the times. But if you go, awesome. oh, it's going to be a marriage. And we and, had our own venue. And then, yeah, we have our own venue. Just come along. And then at midnight, we're going to do the big countdown. Well, that's
1: what I don't like about New Year's Eve, sharing a venue with dickheads. Yes. And hopefully very few at a wedding. Yeah, well, they'd like be it. our dickheads. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. What'd be funny as well if you would dress as Delbert Grady is if someone came in when you were in the toilets. Yeah,
0: <laughs> that's,
1: <laughs> that's where that like outfit gets a little bit of extra power during the evening.
0: I like that. Okay, that's it. I mean, Have you got I, any others? Yes, yeah. I've got one, and I, I put it in there because I just think it's a bad scene and it's really laboured and I don't like it. Is letting Lonnie go into the house by himself. Oh yeah. It takes so long for him to get in and he's got to do an argument and he doesn't do a good argument. He's no. old. All his mates, has, I guess he don't know all his mates have been, well, yeah, because they know some people have been murdered because they saw all the masks and stuff. <sighs> but Why? the whole point of the night is tackling him in numbers. Yeah. Why are they letting him go in by themselves? I and get- he's like, oh, if I need anything, I'll give you a shout. You'll need something, man. Well, the
1: loosest pretense for that motivation is that he ne- he wasn't brave as a kid to go in. Yeah. So it's like, the psych- I'm not saying that's good, no. but that's what the film hangs it on, is yeah. you weren't brave enough to do this as a kid. You're going to be brave enough to do it now. Yeah. Stupid. It's so stupid. Because the whole stupid. point of the whole night is you're going out to
0: cut him in numbers. It's just not going to go well for you, mate. It really isn't. And I guess you could, another thing you could do is when faced with the fact that his son is going to go up against pure evil or whatever, and you think your son is in danger, and so is his girlfriend, then you'd maybe hang back. But also at the same time, do that at the hospital before you're giving them guns and that. Mm. Like I, I just, I, I, really hated that scene. I just thought, no, I you totally know, like agree. in horror films where something has to happen for another thing to happen. It's to divide them because it's to divide because, them, because they yeah. don't
1: want to have they want Michael picking them off one by one, not in groups. Yeah, and it makes zero sense. It's interesting because a lot of. Lonnie's presentation is like deadbeat dad. Mm. But he's actually quite curing and seems like he has quite a good relationship with his son. Yeah. But then still does abandon him at the end. Yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a weird character. That's my other one. And that's just one I just didn't like. My other one, Karen not telling Laurie in the hospital oh, that yeah. Michael's alive. I think if anyone... <laughs> in this series or on this planet deserves to know the current status of Michael Myers Yeah, yeah. is Laurie Strode. You're gaining... I know you don't want to distress your mum. She just had major surgery. Yeah. Fair. She has a right to know. Is it? But I mean... Especially if you think he's coming for her. Karen, That's the weird thing. Karen thinks Michael is going to come to that hospital. Yeah, yeah, Let your mum know.
0: Uh, uh, but a uh, uh, part of me thinks... Karen thinks that Laurie's a pain in the ass. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, so yeah. by telling her that Michael's alive... She's like, I gotta fucking deal with so much bullshit in a second now. Yeah. You go, I am, um, guess what? Michael. And like, you know, she's not taking it well. She's gonna be a pain in the ass. She's gonna try and get up. Wait, well, so like a big like, I told you something? Yeah. It? And like, it's like. the like, biggest of all
1: time. He's like, I told you you can't I just,
0: die. I can't be asked to deal with her. I do I, like I, that. I, that's what I kind of like. I told you he wouldn't die. Well, you told me that. So why didn't we watch him burn then? Yes, that's all new, that is. But I, I, also, to be fair, I do kind of. I I excused it away as she does say to her, oh, we didn't know what was going on. And I kind of think, okay, that is sort of true because there's a lot going on tonight. So she didn't want to tell her unless she was like 100% sure when Michael boots through the hospital door. That's all my favorite bits of it. We talked about it a little bit when we were having lunch straight after, but when Alison and Karen are giving their events the sequence mm. of events to the police detectives and they're really different. Yeah, it's a really good
1: example of the way that witness accounts are all told from an individual perspective. So Karen has consolidate the events of that night to fit her narrative. Yeah. So her whole narrative since she was a child was her mum saying he's obsessed with me. Yeah. He's coming for me. We need to be prepared. Yeah. And from Karen's perspective, Michael just turns up at that house that like, happened, like yeah. a like a salmon returning home. Yeah. Whereas Alison has been with Sartain and she knows that Sartain manipulated and orchestrated the whole thing. Mm. That Michael being there is a feat of engineering. So it's really fascinating that that is being
0: dramatized. And I've never seen that before. But the funny thing is about that is you see, Karen almost becoming her mum a little bit in that in that sense because she's saying because we talked about it at the end yeah. of the last one it was like this film has got to deal with the idea that her mum a little bit was right about all that training and things like that. So is Karen going to be a little bit more understanding? So in that moment when she's saying basically repeating the same narrative that Laurie has be, yeah, been yeah. instilling in her. I think that is really interesting to do. But that yeah, that, that was one of my favourite scenes in that film moment. I thought that was really good. Should tell her. What Should, we, what, <laughs> we say and end? what we say um, in then, what we say in superstition. I think it's gotta be Karen just leaving that mob at the end. I think it's
1: saying gotcha mm. when you can't say that, especially yeah. when two hours ago
0: you know you didn't have it. Well, a huge part of this thing, you know, because like <laughs> Laurie is sidelined for a lot of this film. It's just her and Hawkins having a little chat in the hospital. And they say to each other at the same time, if only we knew then what we knew now. Karen knows now what they should have mm. known then. And she yeah. doesn't give that information over.
1: Yeah, she's present. Like if Laurie and Hawkins were there with yeah. the mob, <laughs> yes. they're going, yeah. let's try everything. I've got acid, mm. let's chop his head up. Let's, I want to eat his heart,
3: let's Laurie's going to eat
1: them. We've been brainstorming. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Karen should know better in that situation. Where We can excuse Tommy. We think pummeling him will yeah. be enough. Let's
0: shove his dick in his mouth. How's that going to help Hawking? Just do it. Who knows? He's evil, man.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a picture
0: and embarrass him. Yeah. Post it on his Twitter.
1: Because we can't kill him, but we can make sure he never shows his face around Let's here again. cancel
0: him. Let's get Myers cancelled.
2: <laughs> Tommy, Tommy. Tommy!
3: Tommy! you Lord. can't go in there. Tommy!
2: Lord. Tommy. Lord. Tommy. He killed Marion. And he attacked Lindsay too.
0: What? Karen! We didn't know for sure. I didn't know what to tell you. Mom, I
3: just want you to be okay.
1: Listen, I just want you to know, when he gets here, I'm going to kill him.
2: Because 40 years ago, when I was a kid, you protected me. So tonight, I'm going to protect you, okay? Nurse, you know, I appreciate you, but could you get out, please? Like, get out now!
0: All right, let's talk about the scariest moment, then. I've only got one for this. I struggled. Yeah. For scary, scary. That's the thing. I think that is almost telling of what kind of film this is, as well. Because this film, while I understand the appeal of films like The Purge, when everything is just going to shit, I I just never felt scared by it. But I think that is because the scale is so small. And it's like, well, the hospital, the playground, that's kind of it. Mm. And Little John, Big John's house, that's kind of it. That's all we've got to deal with. It's, so, it's a
1: film about frenzy. Yeah. And it's big. It, there's not a lot of quietness to it, which is what I've always found more haunting about the series. Absolutely, yeah. What's what's yours? I'm I'm actually interested
0: to know what your thing is for this. Michael standing outside his house in 1978 is, I think that shot is terrifying. And similar to, you know, our scariest scene from the last film, which is him just standing there and like this really sort of haunting quietness to him. I think for that, for me, and particularly how we talked about it, where we were like, is he choosing? Or is he actually, does he know he's defeated? Him choosing not to go mad at that point. Is actually quite terrifying. Yeah, I think it's a haunting image.
1: One because it echoes the original, but then to go back to when you think back on that after seeing that film and you know what you can do with a group of people. Yeah. Well, he could have done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think yeah, that's that's my scariest moment too. The other one that I had that was I found it like just a little bit shocking, but it mm. was like just horrible. is the razor blade He's in the razor blade? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And with all the sick, and yeah, but obviously it obviously turns out to be a rough, prank anyway, yeah. so it's nothing. So
0: I think it's that or. It's stabbing the knives in the drone guy's chest. Yeah. Like keeping on doing that. I think that's a really, really, really terrifying thing to see.
1: Because it's also slightly out of focus.
0: Yeah.
1: I think it's coin toss between those. Should we say outside the house? Yeah, let's say outside the house. Because I I think 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 it's beautiful as well. When you think about it, I think it yields more. Yeah, makes you feel a bit sicker. Michael Myers will be executed tonight and it will not
0: go without witness. We need all of you. Evil dies tonight. Evil dies tonight. All right, everybody, calm down. All right, then, so how many killings? Loads of killings, yeah.
1: man. Um, we've got 29 in total by Michael, Fuck five it, off screen. Also, the accidental death of a cop yeah. killed in lion of duty, which they believe pin on Myers, but I'm not yeah, giving it yeah. to him. No,
0: absolutely, that's Hawkins.
1: But we also have to take one kill off Halloween 2018, which only has 18, because Hawkins survives. Oh, yeah. So Society never murdered him. Well done. So we got, you know, we got to correct that now. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. Cheers. <laughs> yeah. Spectacular kills. Really this, good stuff, man. It felt in the last film that Sartain was this spectacular kill. Mm. This film is that and some. Yeah, yeah. It feels more like a Friday
0: 13th film to me. Well, so I've written this. So, So the knife in the doctor who is actually a nurse... That feels like a proper old school Tom Savini killing, mm. doesn't it? Because it's yeah. it like yeah, he, absolutely. that's gone in, and you see like the Everything. bonkers makeup on him.
1: Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's it, fantastic. It has that shot that it lingers. It goes like, "This is the punchline," and he's
0: like, Ugh! he's like reacting to it. It's disgusting, really disgusting.
1: And this is just trying to like unpick this. His it's hard with Michael because we're going to talk about his motivations later, but I think it's relevant to mention this here. Is he more violent because he's angry, mm. or is it just we're seeing more of it? Yeah, I don't know. Because th- some of these just seem so
0: angry kills. Well, the drone couple in particular, because that is there's there's so much going on in that. But, um, but also that's a that affected me more because it's such a funny little setup, and mm-hmm. you have these like weird little thing where they're going to eat cheeselets and it's drink a evening and drink some red wine, and she's playing with a drone. Why? I think it's really
1: horrible. It's so weird. Th- I've gone, I bet they've worked hard all their life.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And they're really enjoying their retirement. Yeah. And there's a big fellow in the bathroom wearing a mask, he says. <laughs>
0: <laughs> there's a big fellow in the bathroom and he's wearing a monster mask. <laughs> <laughs> but like they seem really nice together as well. Again, um, another Savini kill is yeah. when
1: Sandra is bracing herself and she, you know, she's not going to put much of a fight, but she's going to go down with a knife. Yeah. And Michael does not give a shit. No. And he just goes and gets that strip light. That's horrible.
0: And she can't stop him. Nah. She doesn't try to stop him because you can't. That's such a horrible, horrible kill, that is. They don't have a good end at all. And then obviously we have the multiple knives thing as well. It's it's rough, man. It's a rough couple of minutes for them. And the only thing they did lived close to Laurie Stroh's house. Yeah, neighbors. And they probably,
1: so- and they even say she's a bit of a. Looney Tunes yeah they? well, so they're taking the piss out of it, taking yeah, the piss of it. Bit, yeah. I mean she's shooting mannequins in her backyard she's no yeah. great neighbor well exactly yeah there is lots of spectacular kills and what I would say even this is quite violent quite gory if we contrast it again to the zombie films completely different tone yeah because they are fun to watch like yeah. the Savini kills are fun to
0: watch in the 80s and also seeing the seeing the three people on the roundabout with the Halloween three masks on you're like there's, there's something fun going on it, it
1: is more playful than what we describe the zombie ones they're murders
0: these, really... are, these are slasher film kills yeah absolutely what's really strange is just before all that playground sequence which is a, a really strange sequence is the kids are like oh we're playing hide and seek with this guy and then he's like there he is over there and, it, and I was like oh it's just gonna be some guy no that's Michael Myers no actually that's actually a really scary moment yeah. he's just <laughs> but again these, so what? that's the only weird thing
1: this whole <clears throat> thing about oh, Michael has terrorized this town for generations. Yeah. These kids know fuck all about Michael Because no, 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 exactly, when yeah. this was a big John and little John, they have no idea that that's nah. the Myers house. They're not interpreted. They do think that's probably like a pedo yeah. or something, you know, there's like a weird dude hanging out, but they're streetwise kids. So yeah, they're like, yeah, we yeah. can handle this, don't worry.
0: Yeah,
1: Interesting kills as well with that play around sequence. Hmm. Vanessa getting accidentally
0: shot. Yeah, there's so much chaos. Yeah, there's something really weird happens. She just accidentally dies. That's what I kind of like about. That's what would happen yeah. when people are going insane. Like the guy says, "I've never, I've never used a gun yeah. before." That's what would happen. And she's confident. Think no, yeah. you're not. You're not trained for this. No, and neither is Marion.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and what do you do you, have, do? you have a pick for this.
0: Well, I. I mean, we've got to give a shout-out to Big John and Little John. Because, again, just having these weird characters, these weird idiosyncrasies, like, he, that whole sequence is so strange. You've given them a weird
1: backstory, because also we've noticed elsewhere where Tommy is raising the mob, there's a picture on a bench of them. I think maybe they own real estate company or something. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously, like, I
0: I love him, because they're obviously, like, completely in love. Can we just say...
1: Done a superb job on the Myers house. Yes,
0: absolutely stunning, isn't it? That
1: really, It's really, lovely. Nice. I
0: really like dark color scheme, dark woods. Beautiful. The, the bedroom looks stunning. Like, yeah. really, really nice. They are... very very cheap. They're a very strange couple. Really, really strange couple. Like, one of them, Little John, is, like, a proper, like... We, we talked about would they ever use, like, a proper comedy stable. That is a comedy actor that's been in loads of different stuff. The other guy been a lot less but he's in like a really famous madman scene where two guys are in a lift talking about being really rude about a woman and uh don draper famously says like put your hat on and puts it and like because the, the lads don't put their hats on when the woman walks into the lift it's like that's the way where i knew big john from which is bugging me the entire film i think they're brilliant together i love just the weirdness it was like do you want to watch a scary movie he's like no let's get high and listen to monster music like, yeah oh, that's brilliant. Great night. and i think like cheese. their deaths i don't think are particularly good, but I do like the little tableau at the end, particularly if we're going to say 100% that Michael did it. Michael putting them together, might have some confirmation on that for (gasps) you later. Well, it's the thing. That means that Michael is absolutely fine with same-sex relationships, which I'm huge into. Well, he doesn't discriminate Michael Myers. exactly. Also, uh, a mixed-race couple. Yeah, absolutely. Kill them as well. Yeah, yeah, they're gone. you know. My, my My top kill, my top kill is Cameron's. Because we said last film, you know, because we were upset with Cameron's end. We were like, is Cameron going to get us come up as being a dickhead? Or is he going to be a hero in this film? Guess a little bit of both. I think he redeems it. Oh, absolutely. He brings it back.
1: He handles that when he finds Hawkins. You know what? For a young lad, he handles that really well, apart from using his phone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just shouts for help when he's literally just been on the phone to Oscar. Yeah, that's true, actually. But I thought he does, he responds to the emergency quite well. Yeah. And I think like, he, he, he does tries to read. He tries to apologize.
0: He's not scared. He's not. He's going straight in as soon as he hears his dad. He's like straight in there, and he's straight upstairs. Even though he's visibly scared, he's still going yeah, for it. Good. And then he gets a really good ending because like Michael coming at him who's been hiding and then comes at him. I think is really really good. And then I just think the you a really nice bit because you get a little bit of like Allison being the hero going. Come and get me and then like leave him alone. She drops the Buster Rhymes yeah. epithet. Yeah. And then as he's walking down, Michael sort of just notices that he's still alive and he's like, leave him alone. And he just fucking rinses his head. Probably a
1: mercy. Yeah. Actually. You think? Well, <laughs> it's rough. It man. puts him out of pain instantly. It is rough. Yeah. I you know what? I'm very happy to give it to Cameron because yeah. the one I had was Phil. But strip. I like, um, he's the guy with the knives in his back, but I like it more oh, okay. for the knives yeah, in the yeah. back than the actual kill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I yeah, also it... like Sandra, Sondra and the strip light. Yeah, that's awful. But I, th- but I think Cameron... Cameron's
0: one, because Cameron's our hero. We wanted him to get a bit of comeuppance for treating her terribly in the first film, and he does. He really does. Like, you can't go around kissing tigers and getting away with it. quite frankly, and he doesn't. Even if she is phenomenal. <laughs>
2: What are you guys doing out here? It's Halloween, we've been trick or treating, we got a whole bag bag. You guys should bed. not be out here right now, okay? It's not safe. You're gonna kill me? <laughs> no. Satan, not
3: today. Oh, I'm so scared. Are you guys alone?
2: Where are your parents?
3: No. No, we're waiting for our friend. And like, there's a creepy man in a white mask, and he keeps like, trying to play hide and seek with us, and he's like, a
2: Where did you see him?
3: He's just hiding behind trees.
2: And he pops out like, peekaboo, I mean, we're not three years old. Come on, man. Oh, look, there he is. Oh,
0: hello. Hello. Survivors, and we talked about it in the last element, but Hawkins. Hawkins is alive. Yeah. So that's good for him. So he's like well back in play and presumably yeah.
1: feels like he's going to be a big part of the next film. Gotta be, right? Like a little team-up movie with him and Laurie.
0: Yeah. We kind of got to talk about it like outside of the film, but we when you spoke to Jamie Lee Curtis, she said this amazing thing about her idea of the relationship that her and Hawkins would have...
2: This movie, I've had virtually nothing to say. I, 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 it was my invention that maybe Laurie and Hawkins had been a couple, one night in a bar, and that maybe Hawkins is Karen's dad. So when I mentioned that to both Hawkins and David during the 2018 movie, after I met Hawkins, I was like, I had this really weird feeling around him. I was like, maybe he's Karen's father. Maybe they ran into each other at a bar one night, Lori was plastered, they had sex, Mm. she got pregnant, and just never told him that the baby was his. I only mentioned it in passing one day to David, and then I read the script for this one, and there's this beautiful scene where Lori's saying to Frank, do you remember that night in the bar? And she's asking him, did we? And he says, I wanted to, but no, we didn't. Mm. And in a way, it's just, you know, so I had nothing to do with this movie except for that moment and the fact that I get dressed in the movie because I said to David, I am not running down a hospital corridor with my ass hanging out trying to be tough. I said, I just not. So... You got to get me dressed. That's the reason Judy Greer says, I can't believe they left your bloody clothes here.
0: And that has become like a big thing because people think that maybe it's alluded to that
1: they yeah, were in, but th- that's kind I, of- In the film, I think the film kind of quashes it because yes. you, I think he's like the nice guy. who goes, you you were wasted. Mm. But there's this idea that, I think she mute the idea that he could have been her dad. Yeah. Which is good because they've got this long term, long time connection. We find out in this film that Hawkins has his own specific connection to Michael.
0: Yeah, yeah. So it
1: feels like they're the right two people along with Allison. Yeah. Because I think that's our cast in play. Yeah. Also Lindsay. Yeah. I don't know if Lindsay I feel like Lindsay might not come back in the next one in a big way. Mm. But I feel like it might focus on Laurie,
0: Hawkins, and then Allison. Well, I do agree with you about Lindsay, but also at the same time, if you're not gonna bring her back, why isn't she getting an amazing kill? Mm. Is the only thing. So maybe she's early doors. Early doors kill prologue. In, yeah, exactly. In number three, because that is someone that you care about that you know, but is expendable. But is expendable. So maybe that's what that is. Yeah. So I, even though we're talking about
1: survivors, I think it is worth just talking within this that that Karen does die. Yeah. Because it makes sense to talk about it here because the big thing in the last film is that we had these three generation of Strode women surviving mm. and working together to put this trauma behind them. Yeah. Karen steps up in this film, but she goes alone. Yeah. And she goes alone, doesn't learn from the previous film and she ends up dying. So they've got to take that into the next film as well. So yeah, we've got survivors of Laurie and Alison, but they've lost a father and yeah. a daughter and a mum collectively.
0: That's a lot, isn't it?
1: There's a lot more to take into the next film.
0: <sighs> well, we can, Well I guess we can kind of talk about what we think is going to happen. Yeah. like here because it's a good let's point let's do it, it here. yeah because it's got to be how many years later are you saying I think maybe it could be a year honestly it's obviously got
1: to be on Halloween I wonder what is the what is the pretense from disappearing yeah because that's something the zombie film that we've had to encounter with a lot of these films yeah, sometimes yeah. he's been held somewhere sometimes he's been in a coma being looked after by a witch doctor yeah I don't think they'll do that this time but, where does he go to regenerate for? A yeah, year? yeah, so that'll be interesting. I don't I hope it's not directly after. I don't want it to be because you've got all that mob stuff that you can't just put in a box again. No.
0: well, I the thing the thing that I think is really interesting is what we've seen in both of these films is little elements of other films kind of being regurgitated or reused. And I really loved it. one of the things that I just loved is, Banning in Halloween, and we the sheriff mentions in this in the first what film, are we do? which is what we're we gonna do: ban Halloween, like they did in Halloween Five, five? I want to say, yeah. no six, <laughs> yeah, where they where Haddonfield bans Halloween, and I love that idea. So if we if we have like a year or two later, because if it was a year later, you're banning Halloween, we go, we're not gonna do Halloween this year. Actually, I think just out of respect, I just out to respect. There are people still mourning. They will be mourning for a while. But no trick Yeah, let's not do trick-or-treating. I know you've got to explain it to your kids and shit like that. But but also, to be fair, if you do it five years later, Julian's back in play. Oh. Julian's older. He's been hitting the gyms. Yes. I tell you what, he gets screwed
1: over in this film with yeah. that cameo. I guess because he's probably grown a lot. So having him on a screen within a screen, you can hide some of his... Growth spurt. Yeah, that's a really close yeah. post phrase. Yeah, that's um, a good point actually. I I really hope the next film because this film is the big noisy vengeful frenzied film. Yeah, I'd like the next one to be really stripped back. Yeah, and be a three hander with Michael. I don't know how
0: well you see, uh, you've got to have it in Haddonfield, I guess. But I just hope it's really pared down. I don't think I'm not sure if it will be in Haddonfield. I think you could almost have it as like a a hunt movie, like a a road movie. Because if we're saying that. Michael Myers actually is not that arsed with Strode and that kind of... You know, I don't really care who I'm killing. I'm just killing. So if he's going off, and they're almost like they're like following him around America and seeing where he's going. I quite like that. Like, seeing the aftermath of him. Like Long Way Round. Yeah. <laughs> but it's Hawkins, Jamie Curtis, and Allison in the back They're do all the car. doing it on electric bikes. It's an absolute it? nightmare it is. It's, yeah, because they, you know, they've all... Laurie and Hawkins have said... He needs to die, and I'm the one who's going to kill him. They both want to do it. They both repeat those lines to each other. So that is them going actively going after him. I think there was a a scene that was filmed. There was the deleted scene where (sighs) I would have liked to have seen it because it it does kind of hark back to something from the original. Laurie phones Karen's phone just Mm. after she's been murdered, and Michael picks it up, and she can just hear him breathing, and she says, I'm coming for you and then puts the phone down, but they didn't put it in the film. So I read an interview with Dave Gordon Green today, the they said they didn't put it in the film because they didn't want people to think that the next film happens straight away. Right. Well, that's so good. that's so, I think that's almost confirmation that it's, it's definitely not, not going to. I mean, it could, they haven't filmed it, so. Yeah,
1: so I wasn't sure because like, the original plan was to shoot them back to back. Well, that was tabled once upon a time. Yeah, I wonder also, because I think they're still writing it, whether they factor in some of the reception to this film, which yeah. has been, you know, poor to mixed. I yeah, think yeah, fans yeah. really like it. I think there's been lots of mixed reviews. So whether there's a little bit of a, a correction or they take that on board as well for, from the original plan. But I would like some, I, I think it's inevitable. The next film is focusing on Laurie. Yes. There's no way that that's not going to be the case. No, And the final scene of that film is going to be her and him. Yeah. And we just don't know the specifics of how that resolves, but there's no way you're ending this franchise where the final scene is not Laurie and Michael facing off
0: in some way. Yeah. But I guess like how we get to that is the really interesting thing. But I hope we get to that in a really quiet way. Yeah. (laughs) With less shouting. (laughs) I I just want to like finish this section
1: talking a bit about Laurie. And I asked Jamie Lee Curtis, I'm going to play a clip here. And this is an interesting clip, I think, because... Initially, this question started out me asking her about Michael's motivations. Right. But I feel like almost like Laurie, um, Jamie Lee Curtis is in a similar place to Laurie, where her perception of Michael is very different to mine and yours. Yeah. And I think Jamie Lee Curtis has almost become Laurie Strode. Right.
0: (laughs) She thinks it's real. (laughs) You're joking, but...
2: I don't care if he was brought there or not. All of the death and destruction is because of Laurie Strode. Period. Period. His obsession with her is the reason all of this happens. And again, I understand that in the original moment of it, but it's like saying, why why does someone fixate on something or someone, why? Why didn't they fixate on someone else at some point? And for me, no matter what, the amount of damage done leads right back to Lori Strode and always will lead right back to Laurie Strode. So, uh, I guess I would say I take shit personally. I think she takes it all very personally. I understand she's trying to figure it out. Frank's trying to assuage her. People are saying, "But well, he was brought here and it's not about you, it's not about you. It is about her. It always will be about. But
1: also, I guess what these films are that she is, she is also fixated on him now. Really? Yeah.
2: You think?
1: Yeah, massively.
2: Oh. Huh. Huh. Do you not think so? Oh, maybe we'll see. Have Just the movie I
1: there's a, there's a line in the last film which he says, like, he's waited for me, I've waited for him. There's this weird balance between the two of them. And I obviously in the last I had, film.
2: I wish I had you all alone, just the two of us. Yeah. I would hold you close to me, so close to me, just the two of us, so close to me.
1: At that point, I didn't really know how to react. She's talking about Michael, she's talking about you, <laughs> mate. I was so thrown. The one bit she goes, I've gone to the film to make baby. I was like, I really hope I haven't offended Jimmy Curtis.
0: Yeah, so I could, I, could, I, one, I don't think she's watched Halloween Kills, which is fantastic, or she
1: is in this weird skew perspective on she, firstly. All the death and destruction has become because of laurie Strode. i think she's been very harsh on herself there
0: there's a yeah. man hooning around with a, an axe well the, in the some scenes the fun thing is about that is when i was first listening to that i was like oh she watched halloween kills and then she has because she's like i know there's a whole thing about how you was he wasn't you brought there for the, her, blah, blah, blah." she's like i don't believe any of that shit
1: isn't that interesting i think that's a really interesting answer because she identifies so closely with laurie she's still going now, there, I think there is a there is a destiny between these mm. two, which is not really aligned with the facts of the film that we've yeah. seen. But she almost so sees it from the perspective of Laurie; she's not having yeah. it. Also, I failed everyone who listens to this podcast in the moment that what she sings at the end. Do You know what that is? No. So weirdly, that's the song she sings when she's walking on her own in the first Halloween film, carrying what? books. They didn't have right music money in that right. film. So they couldn't sing a hit record. So John Carpenter says, I'll sing these lyrics and make up a tune. Right. And those are the lyrics to the song she sings walking down the street. Fucking hell.
2: I wish I had you all alone. Just that to us.
1: I've got two thoughts on this. One, that's something she knows that she did in the original film, yeah, and she's trotted out at conventions and stuff, yeah, yeah. yeah. Or is that a conversation about that that they've had with David Gordon Green, yeah, and that might come back as a thing because mm. the lyrics to that song are about obsession between two people, right? And I want to hold you close, yeah, yeah. And I wonder whether they've talked about that as being a little motif to put into the next film.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Because the way, obviously you can't see the video at home, but she is looking, not like you've caught her on something, but she is looking very playful about whether or not she's teasing something.
1: She was So my AirPods were failing at that point and she oh, no. was, I didn't know, she's got a very playful manner to, you, yeah, to her yeah. and she, I, she was obviously winding me up. So I thought it was a very uncontroversial point to say Laurie is obsessed with Michael. Yeah. But she was like, oh, do you think? And I was like, yeah. are you winding me up? Because that's an obvious point to make. Or do you not think she is? Right. Or is she winding you up because that's what the entire of Halloween Ends is about? Well, because she does say, I don't know. I've got another film to make, babe. Yeah. But she gives a really great specific answer. And I think mm. it's really fascinating that Jamie Lee Curtis's take on Laurie is very in tune with how Laurie perceives herself in these films yeah, now. yeah.
3: yeah.
2: There's nothing inside that man but pure evil. It's not just Michael. It's what he's done to this town, these people. Decent people. You're a good man, Frank. You were doing your job, but now it needs to die. Because every time somebody's afraid, the boogeyman wins. It needs to die. And I'm the one that needs to kill
0: it. All right, Michael's motivations. I, this, lots of stuff is thrown on him, and I don't think a lot of it is fair, because you've got... I, do, I love the idea that a lot of people are just talking about him in a way that they actually don't understand. Like Tommy saying, Michael is an apex predator. Like he's talking about him from the perspective of, I guess, a hunter. He's, he's watching a lot of National Geographic. Exactly. Yeah. And all stuff like that. So lots of things are just sort of chucked on him and lots of motivations are put on him. Like, you know, Laurie Strode saying, this was Michael's master plan or masterpiece. Fuck off. He's not doing that. Isn't that
1: a weird thing? Yeah. Because you're ascribing such a higher level of thinking to someone you don't know. Yeah. Isn't the weird, isn't the easier, I think they've all like mythologized Michael. Yeah. Whereas if that happened where we were living, <clears throat> it's like, a psycho's got
0: loose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's killed people. Yeah, he is a psycho. Yeah. You're almost like, you. Know, I guess a really interesting way of thinking about it is she's almost excusing quite terrible behavior from them mm. as the mob, as her and living her life. And, you know, she's like, Michael wanted me to live my life like this. Mm. That, that's why I do it. I don't do it because I choose to. I don't do it because this is how I'm dealing with my trauma. Michael wanted this and mm. he he's won because I have been afraid my entire life. And what is it she says, like, every time someone's afraid, the boogeyman wins. It's like, well, that's really not what's going on. Yeah, and that's grasping this concept of the boogeyman from the original. Yeah.
1: This Tommy calling him an apex predator again dehumanizes him, which we know he's not human anymore. But those people don't know that. No. And you justify hunting it? Yeah. Especially in a place where hunting is a thing that people do for hobbies.
0: Yeah. Also, as well, if he's an apex predator, why are you just using a bit of fucking wood? Yeah. On him. I feel at some points in that film. I feel like Tommy's all talk because he keeps going. I'm going to yeah. batter him. Do it then. Well, yeah, also, like, his main weapon for the entire film is just something he gets from the bar. Mm. He's not like, oh, in my truck, I've got all these guns and I'm ready to go, like Like, Lonnie's Lonnie's got. Like, he's he's just like, oh, I'll just just use this. I'll just use a bat that I found in a bar. Or Huckleberry. So weird. Like, that looks like an old bat. That's probably going to splinter as soon as you touch him. And then he's like, oh, well, I've got this bit of wood now I'm going to hit him with. Well done. That's how you take down an apex predator, is it, Tommy? Jesus, mate. There's
1: very little in this film apart from the fact that he goes home. And Mm. so I spoke to David Gordon Green about this. Yeah. is I asked him, something that we've been wondering for the last 10 weeks, writing Michael Myers is a paradox. Yeah. Because when you write characters in anything, in fiction, it's all about what's their motivation. Yeah, yeah. But you're writing a character that by definition has no motivation. Yeah. So this is what he had to say.
3: Yeah, I think it's, I just always liken it to the shark in Jaws. It's just like, it's not personal. But if you, if he's got an appetite and you're in his way, he's going to eat you. <laughs> so um, I think there's something very primal about him in that way, where it, it, the the motivation in, in Halloween kills, as are Halloween too. You know, Halloween 2, they, they they construct a narrative of, of Lori being a sister. And so that he's driven to go see her. And that's why he goes to the hospital. Ours, we we don't use that narrative in our mythology. So, but, but we're trying, but you do need some sort of engine to keep him Mm. going in a line. And so we use the home as that beacon. You know, if you think about, we're trying to be true to the Carpenter film and that's, that's an obstacle and an opportunity, but we're trying to think of like, how do you get him to go somewhere? Well, if, if the original film is the night he came home, let's send him home again, because that's something that we've we've we know that that's in his playbook as he he goes back home to even if it's an empty house, uh, a place that he reminisces of. And then we kind of create something within that home for our narrative of there's this window and he would look out. Hmm. of, And so we go a little bit deeper into something, but that something still has to be nothing.
1: I think that's such a brilliant way of thinking about it mm. is you've got to give him something, but that's something <clears> it still has to be nothing. I. It still has to be opaque yeah. and inscrutable yeah. because otherwise you get explanation.
0: Yeah. Cause I guess like the way that I've always thought about the, the night he came home is when you think about, I've ascribed it to like proper serial killers and proper murderers who sometimes re- return to the scene of the crime or try and, Experienced that rush again of their first kill, you know? Mm. So I always thought about the night he came home as him going back to the house to try and get that rush from his first kill again. But again, if you're doing that, he's a lot more human yeah. than he's, or he's meant a to serial be. killer. I mean, he's a serial killer or he's a murderer who is just trying to get that rush from when he first killed And I think his it sister.
1: is. it is a. Op- Pake while he's doing that. And I think it goes back to that idea, which I think they've done really well as a creative film is they've, as a creative team, they've gone back to that original film. They've looked at every single part of it and gone, what can give us little things that we can extrapolate in exploring this new film? And the tagline, the night he came home, great. And we know that he did that in the original, he went home. So, they've got that as the motivation in this film. But yeah. I mean, it's no real motivation. No. You don't really understand it. No, no, no. It's just yeah. something, like, everything refers to it as an engine. Yeah. And it needs a narrative engine. Mm. I think the window thing is interesting because it yeah. comes up a few times in the film. The cop stands in front of it. Yeah. And what the turning point in the final act is maybe the realization that you're thinking Michael is like you and a human being and he's looking out over Haddonfield, this little town where nothing happens. Yeah. But when you actually stand in that spot, what you realize is, was he maybe just looking at his own blank expression? Yeah. And you're looking at a little kid looking out, going, oh, he's looking out. That's weird. Yeah. What if he's just standing there and he's experiencing nothing? Yeah.
0: What if he's, he's not looking- watching? He's not waiting. He's doing nothing. Because is
1: that thing where if you put a dog in front of a mirror, mm. the dog thinks it's another dog. Like yeah. He starts barking at it. And there's a certain point in human development yeah. where you recognize that is an externalized version of me. Yeah. What if Michael doesn't have that? Yeah. Well, if there's no identification with his physical form, mm. that is scary as a concept.
0: Yeah. No, I like that. I think that's really good.
1: I also like the description of that continuity original, describing that original film as an obstacle and an opportunity. Mm. Because that's the problem with making these follow-up films to something that is so beloved. Yeah. Is, you know, the original has so much power
0: for you. Yeah but everything you do is an obstacle. Well, I guess like, that's the, I'm I'm assuming he's referring to well, one of the obstacles they would have had is how does he get caught? Why does he get caught? Do you know what I mean? And I think the way that they've dealt with that obstacle in this film is fantastic. Yeah, Because uh, it's an opportunity to give a
1: new character yeah. depth, <clears> Hawkins. Yeah. And to bring him closer to Laurie and, or, you know, an interesting detail. So yeah. I think they do a great job. It's just, it's a really, un- obviously it's a brilliant job. mm it's very it's a hard task absolutely but i also got to ask him about something that we've talked about like since the beginning mm-hmm. is and we've talked about it in this podcast michael no motivation why does he why does he play these pranks on people yeah does he just love halloween that much
3: i think so and if you look at i mean i'm just thinking of when he puts a sheet over his head and puts on glasses like there's a foolishness to him too there's there's a mm. little kid playfulness in there that's lost um which we haven't done that yet. Um, he hasn't been, I don't think, have we? Have we done anything fun, like funny? Like we've, of, of his own, his own disguise. You know, we haven't really done that. No. Um, he's not torturing anyone, right? He, his psychology isn't, I want to make this person pay, but he, it, it is, it, is, it is, is, is extinguishing the life from their body and then typically doing something provocative with that, with that carcass. Like, um, I mean, I'm, I don't really know. I never know when these things air, so I never know how to discuss them in terms of spoilers, but there's a, a moment in Halloween kills where there's a photograph that he's inspired by. And so he restages a, a romantic photograph with mm. the, the two, with two bodies, but he puts them in a reversal of their role. You know, um, in the in the photograph that he's recreating. So there's your answer.
0: So that's about little John
1: and Big John. Yeah. So he he says yeah he looks at that photograph and he's obviously at some level gone Yeah 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. Yeah. That's really interesting, isn't it? It says childlike. There's a playfulness to it. Also that idea of he uses the word doing something provocative. Mm. So, you know, using that word he wants to inspire a reaction.
0: Yeah. Well, I guess like that is putting the Halloween mass on the three carcasses, putting them on the roundabout, isn't it? Yeah, it's like, if you leave me out of this film. (laughs) I thought those are really interesting answers. That's really good. It's nice to hear from people who have thought about this as much as we have. And it's it's nice to go, oh, this person has thought about it. Not only, I think has thought about it in such a lovely way and not just gone, right, how are we making these films? they've thought about the exact things that mm. we've talked about from the start of this podcast, which is Michael's motivations, the kit, the masks and things like that. Whereas when you watch something like, I know we give it a kick in all the time. But when you watch like the Rob Zombie ones, you just go, you might have thought about that, but you were just doing your own thing mm. and Michael happened to be in the film. I think regardless of what you
1: think of kills, there's no doubt in my mind that David Gordon Green, Danny McBride get it. Mm-hmm. The problem is they have to continue the story and you can't just keep making the 78 film. And Mm -hmm. 2018 is a good mixture of that with lots of elements. Yeah. But if you're going to tell a bigger story and push it forward and have some kind of progression and conclusion. Yeah. You've got to start putting other stuff on the table that isn't there in the 78 film. There's barely any story to the 78 film. Yeah, yeah. And this is all about getting it to the ending. And this is where this final section really comes into play because they have to start putting down cards. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: And they start after showing what they've been holding back. I don't necessarily 100% agree with it, but if you are going to do that, there has to be... Because it can't go from Halloween 2018 to Halloween ends. Something does have to happen in that middle film. And it's just what happens, for me, is a little bit too loud. But I think it's one of those things where, and this is the thing that I don't necessarily agree with, when we look back on Halloween Kills, after we've seen Halloween Ends, I think then we'll be able to decide whether or not this is a successful film in that trilogy. Mm. Do you know what I mean? Because it's really Absolutely. hard to look at it right now because it's doing something so different. Like we we told it was like, it doesn't even feel like there's the same people making this film. Mm. But the sort of the bread and butter, the sort of foundations are, are good and they're still there. But I think we're going to have to look back on it and go, oh, actually, okay, Kills makes a lot more sense in this trilogy or quadrilogy or whatever the fuck it is now. Yeah. Series. <laughs> <It seems. laughs> I, I read one quote that
1: I thought was maybe quite interesting that might inform in the next film as well is, I think Gordon Green said he was actually, when they got the film into edit, he was actually mm. quite surprised by how aggressive it was. Yeah. You know, they just filmed it and they go, oh, wow, we've made quite a, an aggressive film I here. A film. Final section, maybe the most interesting one we've ever done.
0: Well, yeah, because I think- uh, Is he so, pure evil? So you lent over to me as soon as the film fin- finished going, well, I guess he's pure evil then, isn't he?
1: The final sequence where we've said that Cameron was stupid for leaving, Yeah, they kill him. They, they give him, after early in that night, he's lost a lot of blood from having his fingers shot off. Yep. They savage him,
0: yeah. he's murdered. They shoot him multiple times, as well as just beat him with two inches. Yeah. Karen, as the, the, so I rewound and watch this back, where Karen stabs him, it's like the top of the neck, spinal like cord. spinal cord. You can't have that severed, can you? <laughs> like. I Usually,
1: I <laughs> um, based on every bit of media <sighs> I've ever seen, that yeah. means paralysis. Yeah. I've seen Friday Night Lights. Yeah, exactly. Based on every shit sport film I've ever seen. <laughs> you need it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah, that's... It's a well, biggie. <laughs> I know we're joking, but like, that's what films are... Try- that's what he's trying to tell you. Yeah, yeah. Is he should be paralyzed at this moment. Mm. And then we get this intercut with Laurie. Yeah. Saying that he is... He's not flesh and blood. And yeah. she knows this firsthand. And there's not many characters in this universe that have encountered this firsthand. Yeah. Even Hawkins later that night didn't mm. really because they didn't execute him point blank. So he doesn't know what happened. Only Loomis and Laurie really know. Mm. He comes back to life. He get not only does he survive, it's not like he's rushed to surgery.
0: He gets up and he murders all of them quite easily. Well, my favorite thing about this is something that clicked with me the second time I watched it. Because the first time I watched it, you know, if you've listened to this podcast, you know that I don't up until (laughs) this point think that Michael Myers is pure evil. I thought it was just a normal thing going on. When I first watched it, I was like, Well, if he's pure evil then and he can't be killed, why is he lying down like that? But then when you watch it the second time, you're like... Well, it's because he wants them to drop their guard. Mm. And he drops it. They all go, yeah, we've murdered him. We've dropped his guard. He's just playing possum. He gets that and fucks every single one of them up. That's a decision that he's made. If you then go in, okay, he can't be killed. That's, that's like, he shouldn't... He, he is still kind of, like like David Green said in, in this podcast, he's still having to react to physical. He's a physical object. Yeah, exactly.
1: And I th- even though he might behave ghostly, he's not a ghost. He's not yeah. intangible. And I think a lot of this section, what we're going to discuss now, and some of the clips will help this we have to start drilling down and analyzing what we mean by the word supernatural. Yes. Because he's definitely defined the laws of science here. Yeah. But the laws of science as we currently know them. Mm. And there's different ways you can explore that in film and fiction. Yeah. And I don't, ultimately, I don't think they're going to do it. No. Because one way of exploring it is like, they've done this before. He's religious evil. Yeah. And that's one way that you can get away with someone being supernatural. Or you can say he's scientifically supernatural. He's got powers. Yeah, me. yeah, yeah. I think they'll keep it vague going forward, but I think this definitively proves that he is not so, he's not amenable no. to the same physical laws or medical laws that you and I are. Do you
0: think that's satisfying enough for an audience? It, it being that vague that we don't know what it is. Because I think what I will say is like, when they've tried to do those things that we've just said, we pretty much unanimously agree that a lot of that you know, sort of bigger law around him and the curse, and all. Uh, unanimously agree that it is actually quite duff. So by keeping it, they almost have to keep it vague because nothing that they say is gonna is gonna satiate people. Yeah. Like I'm not gonna be like, oh, okay, uh, it was the devil. Yeah, I <laughs> we got a little devil man coming in
1: because <laughs> also nobody there is in a position of knowledge to understand this problem. 100. Laurie's no, yeah. just lived in this town. He's Hawkins is a cop. The, yeah. He's not scientist. Think going down the, I think going down any route where
0: it's codified. Yeah,
1: and you're nailing going something
0: and you're going, this is what he is, yeah.
1: Because it's a lot to do in the final film. Yeah. I'm happy with them just using this byword, evil. Yeah. And if you want to read onto that, that, I mean, it's less ambiguous because he can't be killed now, but there's still yeah. a little bit of ambiguity. Does that mean there is something really, you can bring that yeah, to it if yeah, you yeah. want to. Yeah, But it's not, the film doesn't nail that on for you. But this is the problem of like, putting an ending on these films. Yeah. The first film can revel in that ambiguity, can hold it right until its last shot. Yeah. Michael Myers is now nowhere and he's everywhere, He's yeah, breathing yeah, yeah. over those final shots. If we're going to have a conclusion, we need to get this on the table and address this head on in the next film. Yeah. We have to figure out a way to kill this man.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that, and that, I think like I'm actually at peace with it. He is evil and he cannot be stopped. That's all we need to know. Mm. That's all we need to know is he cannot be killed by any mortal means so how do we stop it
1: and this is what i think david gordon green's answer here is really useful for us to unpack this a little bit further okay the,
3: the conversation is exactly the one that you and your friends have it's it, it is yeah. like it, the rules of michael is that he's not supernatural he's just spectacular and and but if 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 something is supernatural does that mean it's impossible um so it's not been so- quantified yet Exactly. So it gets really complicated. And, and you just kind of define your own boundaries. And, and I look, I define it by spectacular and resilient. And, and, and if, if I, I think you could, I think you could stab him in the heart, and he would be dead. But what this movie is saying is that just because he's dead doesn't put the fear, you know, just because there's the just because that specific um, villain is no longer lives. He's created fear that will never go away from this community. He's fear has transcended the human form. Whether he lives or dies, fear has transcended that human form to this community and into the to to the world. If you think about how many millions of people viewers of Halloween of John Carpenter's Halloween, millions of people have had bad dreams about Michael Myers or thought about. Michael Myers, when they're going in their homes, and these are normal everyday people that just went to the movies. How many people don't go into the ocean because fucking Jaws is in there, (laughs) you know? Um, It it transcends movies. It transcends the immediacy of that reality of that human form, and fear becomes this pervasive, upsetting, and, and, and traumatic at times, essence of evil, that isn't just a man in a mask.
1: I'm still scared of the man that can't be killed.
0: <laughs> I think this is the thing. I agree with everything that he's just said, and I, I'm, I'm, I'm on board. I'm along for the ride, right? There is a, still a man running around the town with a knife and that. Yeah, we'll, <laughs> we'll deal with the post-trauma after the trauma. Yeah. Well, this is the thing, is, like, um, every time someone's afraid, the boogeyman wins. Let's not... No, we are afraid, though, because he's still alive. We can't kill him. (laughs) So I think
1: to focus on the more pertinent bit of what he just said, I like this idea, he's not supernaturally spectacular. Yeah. And just because something is supernatural, we regard something as supernatural, doesn't mean it's impossible. Mm -hmm. So... Throughout human history, before we understand something, you perceive it as supernatural. Yeah. So before we bring it and we quantify it or dissect it and we understand it, it would feel supernatural to us. So maybe we don't understand Michael yet. But I thought the point he made that was really interesting is he thinks you could stab him in the heart and maybe that would do it. Yeah. Maybe just everything that's been tried, beating him just doesn't do it. Yeah, yeah. I also, I know there's resilient, uh, but come on. He's a bit more than resilient.
0: Well, I guess like we, are, this is what we're seeing in that. I guess that's the the whole point of everyone going bananas in the hospital, chasing that the wrong Michael. That's the whole point, is what they're trying to make. Is like that is fear. He's done this to him. He's done that to them, and I do understand that, and I do understand that being a byproduct of everything that Michael has done. But I don't think Michael knows that's going on or kids. I think that's the
1: film that you make on the year he doesn't come home. <laughs> yeah. Is people are looking for him on the year when he's not even there. Absolutely, yeah. And I think lo- that's brilliant. Oh, we are the monster this year. Yeah. We've killed innocent men. We've killed Ben Tramer. Yeah, Because yeah, yeah. we were looking for a Michael whether there was none. Absolutely. But I, I think this is... All his answers is he regards Michael as a physical entity. Yeah. He's amenable to physics. He can be knocked down. He can lose his breath. He can be beaten. Yeah. He just... There is something that makes him get back up, and we just yeah. don't understand that. And I feel like we won't. I hope. I I hope we don't get a doctor going. We have analysed the blood that we found on the staircase, and yeah. he has got loads of white blood cells.
0: I don't think that's going to happen. I really, because you did pick up on that. You were like, "It's a really lingering shot of his blood," and I was like it can't be that no way i asked him about
3: that. oh no no but i'm gonna think about that and maybe maybe it will but it has, i've okay. never thought of that before but okay give me credit if you do
0: <laughs> i'm glad that when you said that to him that was the first time he'd ever thought of it which means he's not gonna be in the fucking film mate <laughs> so i think it might be homage to psycho
1: right Thank God for that. Because when it lingered on that blood, I thought, I really hope
0: some CSI
2: isn't collecting that. And then the next
0: one going this blood is amazing it's starting with like uh you know like in red dragon where uh, in the crap red dragon right, which i kind of like still but when it has all like the montage of like the, the tooth variants all the stuff going on it's gonna be like that but it's gonna be doctors in a lab putting his like m- blood through like a centrifuge and stuff like that <laughs> and it's like one
1: of those scripts that you good. do you read the script for halloween ends <clears throat> They've bred a team of Super Michaels yeah. <laughs> to fight Michael Myers. But these are friendly Michaels and Loomis's son yeah. can speak to
0: them. It's going to be an auction scene where they auction off different Myers. Like, who wants an eight foot Myers? <laughs> Honestly, I think Jurassic Park is a
1: great example of yeah. how it's so hard to make sequels yeah. to these films yeah, really. because you can't restage the original. No. You can't... Jurassic World does a good job because 20 years later you could do the park again. Yeah. So that's the closest you could do to the original, kind of. Yeah, yeah. But the problem with Jurassic Park is, why are you ever getting these people back on these islands?
0: Well, you and I talked a lot about Jurassic World, and like we're obsessed with those films. And the, the idea that we came up with after Jurassic World happened was what should have happened is that all those people got moved to like a holding pen, and they knew something was going on. But- How many times, I've been at Disneyland where a ride has gone down Mm. and there's this weird uncertainty. You're kind of just waiting around. You're a bit bored. That's what it should have been like in Jurassic World. They should have covered the entire thing up. So the next time they go on, the park is going again.
1: That's the thing. They want these ongoing arcs with characters and they want Chris Patton. Yeah, really You you understand why? So he does think you could kill Michael and it'd be very interesting that he thinks it could stab him in the heart. So that's the guy that's right in the next one. Mm. So could it be as something as simple as lori stabbing him in the heart would we accept that as an audience now i i think they've got such a it's funny that the film is called halloween ends because yeah why is why is that conversation around it i don't know how you end this
0: don't get me wrong i do love hearing the idea it's like yeah i do think he's a physical form that he could be killed and but who's seeing that interview who's listening to this do you know what I mean like how many millions of people have just watched him get shot Take a beat in all this different stuff and then get back up. You know, I think it's not going to be enough for people. Yeah. Like we don't We, we still that- kill Terminator by just unplugging him. Exactly. So it's like people are going to want to see him be ripped. You know, okay. Well, if he can't be killed, then what happens when he's ripped into different pieces? Yeah. And the other version of that is, you know,
1: some kind of ritual that stops him. Yeah. But I'm not see. Don't I'm not man. having Tommy putting down little pebbles don't again. Want that.
0: Especially not this Tommy who is dead. And
1: in this film, even though we've debated how much authentic knowledge she has about the situation, Laurie is the one who has the firmest grasp that he can't be killed. And she has some very big dialogue at the end of this film. So this is Jamie Lee Curtis, who I think is one with Laurie now talking about whether Michael is pure evil.
2: No, I look at him as human, but he has transcended. I do think that, um, I think that the man we trap in the basement when he looks up, looks very human to me. It's the most vulnerable Michael has ever looked in any movie, any time. You almost feel bad for the guy.
1: But he doesn't panic though.
2: Well, okay. But I'm not saying he's like crying like, mm. you know, don't do this to me, but he looks up in a shot. And to me, mm. I always read that as uh, uh, An acknowledgement it's almost like a tip of the hat like well played well played well played so when he is when he comes out of the fire the vengeance that he attacks those firefighters with feels next level to me it feels that everything has been amplified and it doesn't feel gratuitous to me it feels next level that there is a vengeance and a mania and a frenzy and a brutality that has been opened up in him since that fire. And that to me feels terrifying. So supernatural, I don't think Michael Myers is supernatural. I think, I think there is something, uh, you know, he's the boogeyman. Mm. i don't think that's a supernatural uh construct i think it's a statement of truth and remember what little tommy wallace says you can't kill the boogeyman when she says i killed him you can't kill the boogeyman it's the boogeyman like what you know that's mythology that's that's goes back to the you know beginning of storytelling
0: fucking knows how they're killing him and that's the thing is like, I'm out for mythology. I'm out for all of that. Let's deal with this fella that we've got running around this town, is
1: it? It's obviously these films have been out for a long time. There's a mm. lot of
0: conversations. And I don't know how much
1: is that is stuff that she said elsewhere, and yeah. how much of that is specific to this film. Mm. Because say it's not supernatural, okay. I think there's a lot of slippage in the words we're using here. There really is, yeah. Because, because Superna- she's using
0: it in a very different way to David Gordon Green is using
1: it. Yeah, which is a mythic way. And also- Are we not saying that the concept of the boogeyman is supernatural? Because by my definition, something that can't be killed is supernatural. So there's a lot of, um, I think that's hard when you're not explicit about your world rules Mm. and you leave them ambiguous. That's great for some interpretations, but it also makes some stuff like kind of feel at at odds because not every person, there's not a consensus. Yeah. About what Michael is yet. And it's fascinating to know how they're going to tackle that in the next film. For my money, she has the biggest line in the film, which is
2: But a mortal man could not have survived what he's lived through. The more he kills, the more he transcends into something else impossible to defeat fear. People are afraid. That is the true curse of Michael. What does that mean?
1: Because, you know, transcending is kind of a religious word. Yeah. So maybe the biggest line in the film is given to Laurie, and it's over sort of that scene where Michael gets back up and she says, by killing, he is transcending, which yeah. obviously has lots of connotations. So I asked Jamie Lee Curtis, was there a big conversation around that line? Because it's a big line to deliver. Yeah. Because it's a big line to deliver. This is what she said.
2: No, it's I'm I am i don't talk a lot. Mm. By the way, I say that every crew member here, every single person involved in this junket who's working this junket right now, hearing me say I don't talk a lot, they're chuckling, they're rolling their eyes, they're holding their head. They're, I mean, believe me, these people have heard me talk for four days. I fucking talk all day long. But I, uh, when I'm working like that, I don't. I I don't write it. I'm not a mm. writer. Um, I read, I, I very rarely contradict a writer and say, well, no, I wouldn't say that.
0: All right, well, I mean, this is either the hardest or the easiest way, the one we've ever had of this, which is, is he pure evil? Yeah. We should rename the section <laughs> to Michael is pure evil. How evil is he? Well, I mean yeah, I mean we've had 11 podcasts now of me basically saying that he's not only to watch a, you know, hour and a half film where it basically ends with people going he is pure evil. Evil 100%. dies tonight. Evil dies tonight, but not really because he's still alive. <laughs> Again imagining 10-year-old Gav. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for listening over the last 11 weeks to Halloween, The Definitive Companion. We'll be back next year to find out how this all ends in Halloween Ends and to provide the definitive ranking of every Halloween film. The Definitive Companion is made by RKG. We make podcasts and videos about things we love, including manifestations of pure evil. If you'd like to find out more, visit patreon.com forward slash RKG.